combat time! Hello, and welcome to Combat Time, where three friends talk about anything and everything Mortal Kombat. I am Jay, and I am joined by my fellow co-host... Josh. Yasin. And with us today, we also got our friend uh, Elliot. Uh, Elliot, if you'd introduce yourself. Hey, it's me, Elliot. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know, Elliot is a good friend of ours. We've actually been friends for quite a long time, so kind of nothing... Yeah, a decade. decade? Jesus yeah, Christ. I think it has been a decade. Like, oh, unfortunately, it's decade? yeah, I almost I, knocked almost. over my glass when you said. <laughs> yeah, I know, Ellie. I, Ellie, I know you so well. I can memorize the contours of your face. It's so. It's, I know you so well. I can remember your name. I, I know. That's all you can. That's all I. That's all I ask for in friendship, man. That's really all I ask for. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, the reason we have Elliot on too is because we uh, very most recently showed him. Uh, I was going to say Force, but he seemed to quite enjoy it. Uh, the original 1995 Mortal Kombat. I was forced. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because, well, we were going to be reviewing the 2021 movie, but uh, events happened, and it got pushed forward a whole week. Uh, it's April 10th as we're recording this, um, and the movie would have been out in about, what, six days? Something in like that, yeah. six days, you two shall be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the 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 big part is that it's still out in Russia and in and certain countries Southeast in Asia. Asia so yeah. yeah, South people Korea are talking about it. Yeah, South Korea oh. it's out right now. What? So why it, did yeah. it get delayed in the states? I'm, they never said, but I'm certain it was to give Kong more breathing room. No, yeah. actually, actually, there's a better theory about that, and I kind of want to explain this a little bit because it's kind of cool. So, like, so obviously the Zack Snyder Justice League thing hit, like, what, like, about February. So, so, exactly. So, like, when these films go on streaming, they're usually on streaming for basically a 30-day window, right? Oh, right. I heard this, too. Yeah. So, what what you can do from a money-making perspective is that if you signed up to HBO Max, which, you know, the Justice League was streaming on, you get the uh, the privilege of seeing like Zack Schneider's Justice League in all its four hour glory, you know, basically in the comfort of your own home. But your subscription is only going to last if you only renewed it once for thirty days. But if they move Mortal Kombat like just beyond that thirty day window, which would be a week later than it was than it, than, it, than its original release date, then in theory you would have to re renew your HBO subscription or basically not cancel it. So this gives Warner Brothers an extra like 15 or whatever dollars it costs a month just for the privilege of actually seeing, you know, Mortal Kombat and the comfort of your own home. So the whole reason that I think it got delayed is just so they can keep those HBO Max subscriptions, you know, that, that just long enough to where you have to renew your subscription. And that's yeah, my that's theory of it. Yeah. $12.99 <laughs> $12. a month. This podcast is uh, sponsored by HBO Max. Yes. I have got fucking be. HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> I got HBO Now or HBO Go to find me a Pokemon. You have no idea what you have. No, I don't. They change the name so often. <laughs> There's like five. There was like a bunch of them, but now it's all. They changed. Yeah, it was like HBO that? Go, and now I don't think they even exist anymore. Whatever. So, but yeah, we we're gonna delay, you know, our review until after we see the movie on the 23rd. So we decided 
hey, let's, you know, talk about the original movie since, you know, that's such a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, to me, it's like, it's like really close to me. Like, I love that movie so much just cause like, since I was a kid, but also just like, I, every time I see people talk about the movie, they always talk about how it's one of the better video game movies. Like, yeah, I mean, pretty much like I think you've seen, we watch this movie, I think on average at least once a year. Like, I really think that we do that. Like, uh, And that's okay, because I can watch that movie again and again and again. Like I said in my intro review, that watching that movie in theaters back in 1995, that was one of those like perfect days where I woke up and I went to bed and everything was satisfactory. The food, the movie, the fights everything like everything worked out it was like life's a happy song from the muppet movie that was my day that <laughs> day <laughs> and everything just worked like everything nothing went wrong that day and i will always hold mortal kombat 95 in high regard because of that uh, nothing guess, went wrong <laughs> so i guess be- before we get because we want to talk about a bit about the production and history of the movie but i guess before that elliot uh do you want to give like a brief like what is your connection to Mortal Kombat? Do you have a connection to Mortal Kombat? So that, you... that's what's kind of funny. I feel like I'm an imposter being <laughs> here because... Well, that's why I was you a, on. So when I was a kid, I didn't see the movie when it came out in theaters. I was forbidden from seeing it. Mm-hmm. And I actually uh, got in a lot of trouble uh, because my mom found out that, you know, in the 90s, there was a lot of uh, concern about, like, violence and music yeah. and yep. movies and video games and that kind of stuff. Yep. And there was, like, the whole, like, column. It was pre-Columbine, but that controversy of, like the video games are making the kids violent and they're evil or they're satanic or whatever. Yeah. My mom bought into all of that stuff. So ah. uh, shout out to my mom. <laughs> so I, she found out that I was playing Mortal Kombat at a friend's house at a birthday party Ooh. and uh, got so mad at me, at the, the parent of the kid who was having the birthday and all really? that kind of stuff i was never allowed to go back over to his house again and no she was way like, I always like, <laughs> yeah so i wasn't allowed to play mortal kombat very much i think i played it illegally uh like maybe two or three times in my childhood oh um, dude you let like you let that sheltered life man like i kind of yeah. i kind of feel bad because my parents didn't care i was eight years old watching freddy movies and my parents thought it was <laughs> stupid but, but you know but they didn't care they didn't care that like this like you know, like scissor handed man or these Jason movies where this like hit like hillbilly in the fucking woods was just <laughs> slicing people up. And I'm just sitting here laughing at it. And my parents like, oh, you're watching something stupid again, aren't you? I'm like, yes, mom, I am. Well, fine. Have fun, kid. And that's just yeah, how it was. No one cared. It's so funny, too, because like all the all the concern about uh, not not to get like super into like the sociopolitical side. Of no, media by all means, kind of stuff, because but, I think we want to do an episode about like that cultural, that would be interesting yeah, yeah but like it, it's so funny too because like i have such a healthy like reaction to like horror movies and anything that's got like you know violence or something like my brain knows it's it's fictional right. you know like right. I, i'm not one of those people who's like i watch a movie even as a kid i watch and a smart movie kids and i go inspired to like you know rip someone's face off or something because i played mortal Kombat. that just isn't how the most people's brains work so that yeah. whole reaction is just so bizarre to me um but my mom had that reaction so i wasn't allowed to watch horror movies i wasn't allowed to watch uh most r-rated movies and mm-hmm. things like that so they were very taboo for a while and then when i finally got into like my teenage years and started just kind of doing my own thing uh i started exploring these things and that's when i finally saw mortal Kombat from 95 was i, I think Fuck i was you, like, mom. i think i was like 17 when i finally saw that movie okay and I thought it was so tame. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, it was. I didn't, I didn't understand why this was like such a like forbidden thing from my childhood. 
Well, yeah, the movie itself, yeah, it's pretty tame compared to like anything in the games, and they kind of had to mm-hmm. do that just to get like a white. I mean, to make it PG thirteen so that more people can see it because most like people we hadn't had yet. Uh, besides Terminator, we didn't uh, R rated blockbuster still was like not something that you'd want to try. Right, I so wouldn't say like, that's true though. I mean, look at Die Hard. Okay, 80s. Die Hard, yeah. Predator. But this, I mean, the eighties were like. There's also a video game franchise, and at that point, then who's primarily playing video games as little kids? kids, So it's like, and also, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say like video games were not doing well as far as like film adaptations went at the time too. Shout out to shout out to Super Mario Brothers for failing at everything, (laughs) which is a great movie. Which uh, Elliot, did you watch that with us at all? Um, We talked about watching that one. I haven't seen that one since I was a kid. I saw that on TV. A it's actually a delightful movie, and I recommend watching it. Mm, it's a bad it's Mario movie, but it's a good movie. Of course, yeah, disagrees. Of, uh, of, of course, you do, Josh. <laughs> John, John, like your favorite actor ever, John Leguizamo's in it. My favorite actor ever? I yeah, guess. because I mean, you've because you know, re- you perennial, you've literally perennial recommended classic it. The Pest is one of the greatest uh, roles <laughs> in, in Josh, film history. Josh, but, you know. you've literally recommended damn near all movies with John Leguizamo in it. Like, yeah, that's literally all. Of them. I don't know what the hell's going on there. <laughs> but anyway. you get movies before Mortal Kombat. I, I looked it up; there weren't very many. There was Super Mario Brothers, which was a bomb. Double Dragon. Oh, which was also a bomb. bomb. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, Street Fighter, but apparently Street Fighter was a bomb, but it, it got a cult following on home video. Uh, it's at least watchable, and it had, you know, at least it had, not that Mario Brothers didn't, it had star, you know, John Clark, mm, goddamn freaking, fucking yeah, Bob Man. Yeah, but really, we all know that, like, Raul Julia is who made that movie. Like, if you watch Street Fighter now, you can. You can stomach that movie because of him. Like he, and that was questionable that. casting too. Because why are you going to get a frail old man who's dying from like stomach cancer to play a big buff? He wanted to do it. Whatever. Like, like, like he did it. Well, for his like grandkid. he got casted and he didn't know what the fuck it was. And his grandkid, who played Street Fighter, was like, "Oh yeah," so he did it. He did it for his grandkid, and it's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Wait, how that's old was where... Raul Julia when that came out? Oh God. Uh, I, Judging by looks, I would say in his fifties, but uh, I'd, I'd have to look it up. Because he, he, he just know. done the Adams Family movies, right? He yeah, did, but like yeah. he got cancer, so oh, gotcha. cancer's a bitch, and he was yeah. literally dying while they were making that movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah, know it when they casted him. He basically but, like, he had to sit down during takes. He ba- yeah, he basically he basically yeah. couldn't act in a lot of scenes. So for like the fight scenes that he was doing, he would still struggle just to get up and act like he was fighting. But of course, they could only do so much with his frail body. I think like it really affected the shooting. And granted, I know this is about Mortal Kombat, but if you ever want to see you know a very fun like sort of documentary on a film that went through production hell, it is the Street Fighter movie. It, that's actually more fascinating to watch than the movie itself. So he was 54 when he passed away in 94. Okay. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Great actor. Um, was that his last film? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was dedicated to him in the end credits, too. Wow. Well, this is now a Street Fighter podcast, guys. Yep. So, Street yeah. Uh, fuck Scorpion. I got uh, <laughs> Sean Lee. And, uh, let's go. <laughs> uh, so should we talk about the history of this movie? How it came yeah. to Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so I remember seeing trailers for it, and that's like it's sort of like a brief history. But I remember seeing trailers for it. I think at the time when this movie was in, like, was in circulation, Mortal Kombat Two was out. But of course, this was going to be based off the first game, and they were trying to go through 
the entire story of like making, of course, Liu Kang like the main character. They were going to have like the whole thing about, you know, uh, the tournament and all that fun stuff. And of course, in order to do that, they had to sort of like pick the right cast for it. And it was sort of good because obviously Robin Cho being the wonderful man that he is and whose hair is an actual character in Mortal Kombat besides him. Um, I thought it was the main character. Yeah, I thought it was too. (laughs) But like he was an actual Hong Kong, you know, action star before that. So Mortal Kombat was kind of his big break. And then you got like Lyndon Ashby, who was a soap opera actor who, you know, was trying to make, I guess, I don't know this. Melrose Place or something like that? I think so. But he was trying to make his big break into acting too. And I'm not saying Mortal Kombat did it for him, but he tried with this film. So go. Yeah, go that. for three weeks yep. in a row, number one, and like people interviewing him and all that, and everyone knows. Yeah, age. and then of course, like Bridget Wilson, who plays Sonya, and she had been in a couple of things. She's sort of like your stereotypical teen model, like sort of supermodel actor that was in like these teeny bopper sort of things at well, the time, like Beverly she was Hills. In Love Stinks, which we're waiting for you to show us. Well, that's that wasn't until 1999. This is far beyond Mortal uh, Kombat, but before then, she was in Billy Madison, Last Action Hero. Last Action Hero. So she had been in some movies before then, but originally it was Cameron Diaz uh, who actually at the, who actually they were eyeing for uh, for the role of Sonya, but she had other plans, and Bridget Wilson was kind of like a sort of last pick on that film which is part of the reason why that when you actually see that movie she can't fight to save her life and it shows in that <laughs> well film. i mean like uh, cameron diaz had no training yeah. either and that's why she didn't get to be sonia is because when she started training she got injured and uh apparently uh Bridget wilson got injured too she knocked out her shoulder and uh much like doing what yeah, yeah what is she i well <laughs> Not like it, probably in the shooting, probably in like oh. the training and sparring and stuff. I'm not certain. Well, maybe it was a shooting because the story is it happened on set, hmm. and she just did the 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 lethal weapon thing and kind of knocked it into place, oh, and geez. the crew was freaking out, but she really wasn't hurting all that much, and she said, "No, let's go, let's fucking go," and uh, so they they went on a bit, but I mean everyone got injured in this fucking movie. Uh, Lyndon Ashby got injured. Uh, by Chris Casamasa, Scorpion uh, drop kicking him in the fucking spleen, and he peed blood. Oh, um, yeah. He said he he was wearing padding, and it was during that part where he's against the rails, and Scorpion is just dropping his leg on him. Yeah, yeah. And his leg just happened to land like right in between the padding and hit his spleen, and he said, "Yeah, he pissed blood for weeks." Oh, uh, and uh, what? Uh, uh, Robin Shu, multiple fights broke ribs and rated how good a fight was on a scale of how many ribs are broken uh, and then the reptile fight he broke three and that shot where he's uh gets slammed against the pillar when oh, reptile yeah. throws him against it and it's in slow-mo that's the exact take where his rib was broken wow yeah that was, the, that was the best fight in the movie yeah yeah and, it was uh, as we'll know and as many people probably know but we'll might get to is added after the test screenings yeah, uh, that, that, but, I was reading that earlier. The reptile fight and the scorpion fight were both added on later, and they're the best fights in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, fascinated to learn too. Like, I always know that. Uh, I've I've always known that, but reading up on it, the reptile fight was definitely never in there to begin with. The scorpion fight, the first half of it was in there where he uh, they meet in the forest, and basically uh-huh. the script has it uh, they meet in the forest. 
uh, in the novelization, they trade some blows, but I think the way it ended up in the film is he just does that fun run from the spear gag, and then he does the shadow kick, and that's supposed to defeat Scorpion. Mm. And yeah. I don't even know how anybody thought that was a satisfying fight. Like, yeah. I just run around, and then I kick the most popular character in the franchise in the head, and I'm done. And, like, what's kind of funny, like, like, what's kind of funny is if you look at the location switches, like, now that you sort of know that those two fights were added afterwards, it just, mm-hmm. like, when you look at it, it makes total sense, because when does Scorpion have random teleportation powers just to teleport people to other realms? Like, I guess in theory it could work, but the fact that it happened the way it did... hell makes it, sense. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you, you, you instantly get transported into this like well lit orange room with stuff everywhere. Johnny Cage and Scorpion fight, and then they never explain how he got out of there. He just randomly is just out of there. So it yeah, makes that, totally is the, that is one of the things that never gets explained. Is like how did well, Johnny we can Cage only assume once he defeated Scorpion, his evil hell powers faded, and he appeared back on the island. You are reaching way too much over there, John. I'm reaching, but it's Mortal Kombat, Jay. Uh, I actually <laughs> find it funny. Uh, uh, in the novelization, that fight plays out exactly how it is in the script. And uh, I actually happen to own a copy of the Mortal Kombat novelization. That's um, interesting. Is I, that a I, junior novelization? Or like no, a, it's a straightforward adult, straightforward. you know, general audiences. You know how they did that back yeah. in the 90s. I mean, yeah. they still do it. Uh, what Godzilla 2014 had a novelization. That's uh, and like most novelizations, the author is only given the script before the movie's done shooting and... He kind of goes off as his own thing. So there's like a lot. Of, I, I didn't read it all. I started reading it uh, when I bought it. But it's it's shit. <laughs> it, it's fucking shit. And I don't got time for bullshit. If uh, there's literature. one movie that I don't want to read the novelization of, it's probably Mortal Kombat. Because that's a visual thing. I, I want to see that. Liter- I don't yeah. to, Literature yeah. is about ideas. And I don't know how exciting it could be to read Scorpion Punch Johnny. And then Johnny blocked the punch. And then Johnny kicked Scorpion. And then... Honestly, like, uh, heart's racing already, actually. <laughs> oh, really? It's not that bad, but I did go ahead and read the segment where he fights Scorpion. And it pretty much plays out just like that. Uh, hmm. Except there's a little bit more formality. A monk leads him up to the fight. And it's not in the middle of the forest. It's, like, around the general combat arena. But there's just, like, more trees in this area. But when he kicks him... It mentions that he does, that this is his trick that he does in the movies that he's trained to do, the shadow kick. And once he does the shadow kick and defeats Scorpion, Art Lean, uh, the additional character in the movie, is standing there in the sidelines watching. He's like, whoa, how, how the hell did you do that? I've seen it in the movies, but I always thought it was a special effect. And Johnny's like, heh, I'll teach you one day. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know if that's what was in the script. I'd love to read the, the MK1 script, but if it is, that's kind of interesting that to be fair yeah, nobody like, gets special moves to get our hands on the yeah of this. yeah I'm sure it might be easy I, I mean i don't know how like i've only read a couple scripts uh and like the most notable one was the resident evil george romero script mm. uh which i wasn't in love with but like i'm i'm assuming it wouldn't be that hard to get a copy of this script it actually would have been really, really cool, though, to actually see um, Johnny Cage's actual shadow kick. Because, like, obviously, his shadow kick is he's standing on one foot, and then he just slides into you in the game. But in, in that movie, he's doing, like, a running jump kick. So it's like a, it's, it's more like Liu Kang's flying kick versus his shadow kick. It just has a shadow effect on it or whatever. But it would have been kind of cool yeah. to actually see him use that. But I guess, like, I guess in canon in this movie, he does the kick. Scorpion randomly does, like, an invincibility frame teleport. And all of a sudden, Johnny Cage's kick, like, goes through him and misses. And now we're like, transported into hell or something. <laughs> so. But I think that was, like, 
taken from the shot where he's supposed to actually connect the kick, right? Yeah, because apparently uh, that was scripted, and there's actually uh, like early footage uh, that might have been used in some TV spots that actually show the kick connecting without like the wooshy wooshy teleportive effect. To be fair, though, I'm really glad that they actually did that fight because can you imagine if you're a big Scorpion fan like you, Josh, and then all of a sudden, yeah, Johnny Cage does this one shadow kick, and Scorpion's just standing there, and he just takes it. Basically, he he's throws barely his... in the movie. He didn't get to do anything until that scene. Yeah, and I think uh, as a Scorpion fan, I love that scene just because Ed Boon is doing all the grunts and uh, 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 through the whole thing, and it really gave Scorpion a lot of character. Get down here! It... Get down here! <laughs> and the fact that wasn't going to be in it, and he was just going to do is get over here and then get beaten like a ponce. Uh, I'm glad they added. Well, that's that the in. thing. If, yeah, he, if he got defeated by that one kick, that would be the only connecting blow from either of them because they don't. Yeah. Like he he they meet in the forest and then they he gets chased by the harpoon snake thing whatever and and that's it then he gets the kick it's like yeah if they end up like that it's like that's just not like the fact that they went back and reshot that whole awesome fight scene which is such a highlight of the movie it's just I think part of it is they were probably trying to play it safe since Lyndon Ashby also wasn't experienced and they just wanted to do kind of more like a spectacle fight. Mm. But yeah, it's like all the test audiences were like, we love it. Just wish there were, you know, kind of more. Uh, there are going to be, uh, there's going to be combat in our Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, that's, that's an interesting thing though, that I, when I was doing some research on the movie, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, he's kind of like a very, uh, what's the word? Unconventional director. And mm-hmm. he actually wanted all of the death in the movie every character who dies to actually happen on the set as well. Wait, so, what? Wait, what? Yeah. So reshooting the scene with Scorpion, they had to recast Scorpion because he died. <laughs> he died the first time they filmed that scene. That, so that's hella method acting. For the reshoot. It's a curse. This film is a cursed production. Dude, that's like, dude, that's like, oh the my mo- goodness. Okay. Dude, dude, that's gets deeper though. Yeah. That's like the, the most deep played, level. Yeah. But the actor who played Goro, uh, he died as well and they, they weren't rolling the camera when he fell off the cliff so they had to reshoot his scene because that was the first scene they shot him oh so that's how to, they made they the puppet it up. they goofed it up and so that's how the puppet came to be and they cast, they cast the guy who played the alien in Alien 3 to be Goro <laughs> uh, that part is true uh, <laughs> that part is true uh, <laughs> yeah. played, uh one truth and a million lies. <laughs> I love it. I, 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 you know, it's Mortal Kombat. You might as well have some people dedicated to craft. And be yeah, and you know somebody, what? Somebody, somebody had to have died making this movie. I yeah. tr- actually I mean, tried. I looked, and I could not find any I deaths. I don't think there is, yeah. Josh, J- Josh, no. Reptile clearly died while making this movie. Like, that, <laughs> that CG model was destroyed, like, by Liu Kang's foot. They clearly he showed it. Turned into cockroaches. Oh, yeah. I found something interesting about the, the reptile, too. When they were shooting the movie, they didn't know what right the lizard of reptile was going to look like. So nobody knew what to do with the scenes. <laughs> That's why they're so awkward. Well, it's oh, like yeah. the only time they really interact with him is when Liu Kang grabs him, like, right before... Mm-hmm. the fight with like the human part because like everything else is just kind of okay get spit on and luke their shang song interacts with them and yeah. I, he's obviously tacked on too because he might not have been in the original script at all 
Was uh, Reptile I, always like a lizard in, yeah. in the games, or was no, that something I mean, they added? No, he was he was a pellet swap ninja, and he didn't have anything reptilian about him in the first game. He was just like a secret character in the third game. They give him the story that he's like part dinosaur, but is like his his in game appearance just looks like a human wearing green. But then he takes off his mask and he's a lizard. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but for the movie, I guess Jurassic Park. So they was like, okay, let's make him more like a little raptor, a little cute little raptor. It looks more like uh, what was it, Gex or something? What was that video? Game right. that? <laughs> Holy shit, that's Gex. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Gex. What is that? It's a th- it's the another. Gecko, gecko? Cr- no, it looks like the Gecko Gecko. Mm. It's another Crash Bandicoot, Bubsy, you know, let's do a 3D platformer thing. Yeah. Like a little green dinosaur. Yeah. Interesting. But, uh, yes, I think they may have added Reptile later, but uh, then, yeah, like the the test screenings and all that, and they decided to put in a weird scene where he becomes human, which seems to have a bit of mythology behind it about how these statues work that they probably don't even... uh, I haven't figured out. But oh, that oh, like oh, they made no sense. But I will say there are some very unlog like very illogical decisions that were made there. But I still give the movie praise because right when you know the whole reptile crappy CGI model is getting absorbed into the statue, sort of against its will, from what it looks like, by the way, and then the thing like its eyes light up, and all of a sudden you hear the n- announcer say "reptile," and then all of a sudden, and then of course, like that—that that to me was one of those hype moments of the entire movie because I was not expecting that. Like I was like not expecting that at all, and just it's bam. so hype. But at the same time, it makes no sense as to why all of a sudden you hear somebody say "reptile." Like it's—it's it's a borderline <laughs> bad video game trope because it makes me think of like uh, I haven't seen it, but uh, what is it? House of the Dead, the Uable movie. Actually has like oh, yeah. footage from the games as like transitionary like uh, scenes. Mm. It's just like it'd be like if a Mario. I don't know. It's real cheesy, and the fact that it was added after the fact probably <laughs> you know goes. And to yet, that, it's also the best part of the movie. It's the best part of the movie because part of it is uh, Robin Shu had a lot of input on that. He had input in the Scorpion fight, mm. uh, not just the fight, but the set, like the whole the hell with all the catwalks and all that. Mm-hmm. was kind of informed by him because he was telling them about uh, like Tibetan practices of burial on levels and stuff like that and kind huh. of like in- inspired them to make this set full of like mummies and-, and wooden catwalks and bamboo and all that shit. But yeah, like he had a lot of input in that and the reptile fight's probably the best fight because you have two actual experienced martial artists going at each other and mm-hmm. and and you know, making up the moves. Yeah, and you can see like the physicality of that fight is so much more uh, impressive than some of the other ones, which are a little. The actors are a little slow and creaky. Uh, not naming any names, <laughs> Nelson. Uh, but <laughs> but I, think, I think the thing is like because he's the one who choreographed those two fights, and he has influence from like Hong Kong films. The yeah. pacing is so much different. Whereas like even though he like in that fight with uh, the dude, the black dude in the beginning, that dude's also a martial artist. I believe. And same yeah. with, like, you know, Sub-Zero's, like, the guy who plays Sub-Zero is also a mm-hmm. martial artist. But they're, you know, choreographed or directed by different people. So then it feels more Hollywood, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Scorpion fight and the Reptile fight feel more Hong Kong because they're just so much more fast-paced and 
I don't know if visceral is the right word, but it's just, there's just no, energy. definitely visceral. Yeah. yeah, definitely more visceral. The, the 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 punching and like the fast impacts and all that kind of stuff, you, you feel it a lot more. And it's not as it's a more drawn out fight sequence mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um. Uh, one thing. One thing. I was curious if you guys could confirm or deny this. Uh, I read that this was the first time that Chinese wire gags were used in a Western movie. Uh, I've read that too, and you see, might be able to answer that better. I'll uh, be honest. I don't know i want to say the biggest like hollywood martial art like just prior to this was teenage uh, mutant ninja turtles which had the same one of the same fight choreographers i don't remember fuck all that movie i don't remember there was any kind of wire stuff this is odd enough but i always bring it up the power rangers movie from 95 as well also had wire work on it well that came out at the same time so yeah so i guess it was just an evolution of what hollywood action yeah. was getting used to. Yeah, and then the Matrix came along a few years later and yeah. blew it all out of the water. Yeah, just oh yeah, yeah, yeah. wire that shit up. So yeah, this movie came out ninety five. Well, this came out August of ninety five. Mm. That's the same month as Power Rangers. Hmm. Wow. I think. Hold on, let me double check that because if it did, that'd be crazy. It was just the big moment where everything the kids were watching just came and swept Hollywood, and all the yeah. grade school teachers were upset. Oh no, it came out. It came out. In June, so two months before. I guess there was okay. kind of a, a sudden, like, maybe it wasn't a sudden influx, but it seemed like in that time period, like, I remember uh, Power Rangers is really popular, kids were starting to watch anime, mm-hmm. or, like, there was a little bit more of an Eastern influence coming in, yeah. as, like, stuff from, like, Japan was getting imported to the U.S. on, right. like, VHS, or you could catch it on, like, some TV networks. Yeah, and also at that time, like, that's when Jackie Chan was also, like, Starting to become popular in the U.S. with like yeah when right. yeah when yeah when did Rumble in the Bronx come out like I think, I think that was ninety six yeah ninety seven like yeah because I actually remember, remember too the trailer used uh, a music sample from the Mortal Kombat soundtrack are you serious <laughs> you don't remember that uh, remember, no. two different tracks from it like from this from the movie soundtrack uh, so did Godzilla ninety eight actually now that I think about it. It was a good um, soundtrack. I can understand why they were. It was a great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, like, it, like, it's, it's, like, honestly, it sort of, it sort of sounds to me that one of the legacies of Mortal Kombat that still remains, like, popular to this day, which, again, the new movie just, I don't think will ever even come close to, is how just lit that damn soundtrack was back in 95. Just cause, like, again, like, Elliot, you remember your reaction when that title screen came out. It just, it's yelling Mortal Kombat in your face when it starts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I remember you being like, you jumped. <laughs> I did. So, like, the file starts out, Mortal Kombat. And they yell it probably four times. It's so good. Uh, you see, you were typing also- up. I think I know what you were getting ready to say. Yeah, I just want to I want to get the guy's name right. Hold on one second. But um, there is a story that came out about the guy who actually screams Mortal Kombat in that uh, song. And actually, who is it? Uh, I mean, hold on. Let me find the uh, uh, article real quick. Yeah, it's from name. a commercial, and I I had always known it was from a commercial, but I always misattributed it to the MK2 game commercial, which. Jay, you seen? You remember that one at all, where it was like really dramatic and dark, and there was a guy running through the woods. No, I don't remember. And at that one. the yeah, it was it was produced it, like you know, kind of a faux movie. And at the end, Shao Kahn is putting his fists up and yells "Mortal Kombat," but that's not the commercial because <laughs> yeah, uh, so 
when I rewatch that, he yells it in more of a baritone. This one's from the first commercial. Yeah, so this is for this is for a commercial for the original Mortal Kombat when it was being released on like home consoles. So like when it was first getting put to like Super Nintendo, Sega, all that stuff, and it was to promote Mortal Monday, which is which was their campaign for like the release date, and they made a commercial for it, and. It was just that they had like a casting call for a bunch of like they just wanted a bunch of people to run down the street and then scream Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and one of the actors' name was Kyle Wyatt, and he I guess he was from Texas and he moved to New York. It was one of his first gigs, so it was like just one of those things. Where it was like, oh, I just need to pay rent, so I'm just going to go to this thing and shoot this commercial. They shoot it, and I guess they tell him, like the director comes up to him and it's like he thinks it's like, oh, I'm going to get like a you know, in, in, you know, a, a main part of it or like, you know, a focus on it. And he's like, okay, so when you run up to the camera, I want you to look up and just scream Mortal Kombat as like, like you're summoning a demon from your soul or something like that. <laughs> and then, so that he does it a few times. And apparently the, there's like two or three people that actually do it within the commercial, but his is the one that you notice in the middle. And then they use that for the, uh, the theme song, Techno Syndrome. But, so, but, but once that comer- once the commercial was done shooting, he forgot about it. He didn't like. He went on to do other gigs. You know, he went on with his life. He didn't realize until later, because he had signed the rights to it or whatever. So he they he didn't get any residuals for it or anything like that. But he didn't, he didn't know it was going to yeah. get used in the movie. He didn't know when the song was created. It wasn't going to be used for the movie. So right. basically, yeah. So basically, he had. So he's the guy that had absolutely only one job, and he fucking nailed it. Pretty much. I he's mean, you pretty can, you much identifiable that. with the whole franchise. Yeah, he's... He, so you run up to somebody that's never played video games in the street and just look him in the eye and go, Mortal Kombat! They'll know the reference. Yeah, he said he didn't see the movie until a few years later, and that's when he first realized that his voice was the first thing you hear when you... <laughs> you just feel like somebody walked on his grave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, yeah, he, uh, he said he's, you know... People have come to him or whatever, and he's talked about it or whatever. But, like, yeah, at the time, it was just another gig. Like, he didn't know anything about it. He didn't follow up on it. He had no idea how, like, iconic that scream is. Because every kid in that generation knows that scream. Yeah. It's, I mean, I hadn't even seen the movie, and I knew about it. Everybody yeah. knows about yeah. it. My high school did, like, a freaking pep rally with that Are song you playing. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a hype song. It's great to dance yeah, to. And it's stuff, true. You know? But, I mean, they asked the... I mean, this article came out a little while ago. Um, but the, the the remix theme song for the new movie just came out. And his audio is in that. <laughs> so he's going to hear his voice again whenever that movie comes out. Interesting. Yeah. That, that, that was a, a point I was going to make a few minutes ago, too. It's like when, when this movie came out, like... I don't like, even if the new movie winds up being good. I don't know if it's going to have like just that same like cultural impact. Mm-hmm. It is, and I got done saying know? that our previous episode is yeah. uh, the 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 the, M- the ninety five movie is as good as it is, partially because of just a perfect storm of everything coming together. And yeah. before uh, we were getting ready to do this episode, I was going to put all the credit on the producer Lawrence Kasanoff, but. Mm. Because, uh, like, looking at uh, Paul Anderson's later movies, it's like he never quite hit that thing. But reading back on it, I think he had a lot of input in it as well. Because basically, Paul Anderson, well, 
let me rewind here. Basically, the way this whole fucking thing got started is Lawrence Kasanoff, who was fresh off of helping uh, produce Terminator 2, and making that from a weird dark sci-fi movie to, you know, a franchise with uh, the, the rail shooter video game and all that, visited people at Midway and was shown Mortal Kombat. They were in the middle of making Mortal Kombat 2 and was so impressed by it that he said, this will make the perfect movie. It's Enter the Dragon Meets Star Wars, which Ellie, I'm sure you read that part. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and, uh, and same I, article. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I know the whole thing about Kasanoff that he was like really persistent uh, and buggered them until they're like, fucking fine, we'll make this Mortal Kombat movie, just make another Mario Brothers. Uh, but I think it was like his belief that the mythology and the story was rich enough to flesh out into a movie uh, that basically fueled it into to keep going. And Paul Anderson was picked just because he was a fresh new director, which is usually a red flag nowadays. Um, but I, yeah. I think... I think it was the right choice because I think he just had a lot of the balls to make something unique and supposedly he didn't know anything about special effects and read up on it and I guess he had a lot of passion and apparently a lot of the the aesthetics uh, and a lot of like the mystical stuff that is brought to life was his idea because he'd always be coming to them like excited about like his new idea he wanted to show off. But as far as just like the mythology, oh, go ahead, yeah. Oh, I was gonna, Paul Anderson's a really interesting director in this period in his career to me, mm. because like what he's done since this is just like make like a lot of drag, really. Yeah. He's well, the one he did right after this was Event Horizon, which Event is Horizon, arguably right? yeah, Event yeah, Horizon, it's arguably good. But me and Jay we watched it recently. Yeah, it's very it's ambitious. Although it's great, it's, yeah. but... I I remember liking Event Horizon a lot when I first saw it, but it's just like upon rewatch, I think it progressively just keeps getting worse. Even though I still love Sam Neill as a like as an actual actor because he does. Yeah. Cool he had stuff. great ideas, just and it was very a heady idea. It just didn't quite have enough of the runtime to really flesh it out yeah and there's something like I, I felt like it was aspiring to tap into like that kind of lovecraftian uncanny dread and he just wasn't quite psychologically tuned into that idea enough to make it really effectively scary either well also like, i so, think he got neutered a bit because you know the whole you know the whole uh the the legend of how like most of the footage of quote-unquote hell uh that the people on the other ship encountered was censored out uh, I'm sorry, you, your mic broke up. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, the, you know the quick flashes you see of all the hellish things that happen mm-hmm. on the other ship? Uh, you know the legend that most of that was like cut out of the movie because it was just too shocking, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Like Apparently, they hired porn actors to uh, be in this just because it was so shocking. Like It was something they weren't uncomfortable doing, like being half naked. And like the gore, the, the cannibal holocaust tribute with a pillar through someone's mouth was going to be if you remember that from like the mm-hmm. 0.5 seconds it's in the movie. apparently it was going to be fucked up but mm. uh a little too fucked up for even an r rating uh so i think at least visually and viscerally it got neutered a little bit but i don't think that's why it's not a good movie i just think it's an hour and a half movie and it had pacing problems yeah could used an extra 20 minutes or so i never yeah. seen um, but, but you know, he, he did that, it, you know, m- mixed reactions to it. But like, after that, his career trajectory just kind of changed into doing like very, just like, we're going to make this movie. It's going to have a name attached to it. It's going to have action. It's going to have very thin script and it's going to make money. 
that's going to return its profit. And that's basically like all he's been doing. I think part of the problem is maybe too he's writing. (laughs) Um, That could be a problem too. Because he didn't write Mortal Kombat and uh, he did write all the Resident Evil movies. And that's one of my biggest problems with those movies. Mm. Never mind that they're so successful and I actually kind of like those movies. But they're not Mortal Kombat. But it's interesting because he he got this job because he was uh, he did a he did an indie movie or it was done for a hundred thousand dollars in the UK called Shopping, mm-hmm. and apparently like I haven't seen this movie I watched a trailer for it earlier today just to kind of see what that was because I'd never heard of it and it looks like a, it looks like a fun movie at the very least like it looks like one of those like very like almost I want almost say like Tarantino esque movies but it's like that Robert Rodriguez Tarantino vibe in the 90s where it's like, kind of punkish crazy. yeah we're going to do crazy kind of counterculture stuff it's going to be a little violent it's going to be about like crime and some aspect of the underworld or whatever uh-huh. and it's going to have like a really kinetic directing style and i think and, that's exactly why they picked him yeah and i i watched the trailer for this movie and i had to say like this looked like a pretty interesting movie and i was fascinated that it was done on a low budget and what it could be about um so I could see, like, if you, if you were somebody hiring directors, because I'm not sure who was initially approached or wanted to do this movie, but... I think they tossed around some ideas, and they were looking at, actually, like, big-name directors and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and part of it might have been, um, you know, money-saving, and part of it might have been just, like, pure enthusiasm, but, like, you mm-hmm. know, they hadn't settled on anyone yet, and they just happened to see shopping, and they were like, yeah, this is our dude. But, yeah, if you, if you like... if. I imagine just from like the vibe I got from the shopping trailer, it's like you see something like that. And it's like, oh, look at this good young filmmaker, super enthusiastic energy, has a lot of creativity and ideas. And then clearly, like with this movie, like he brought a lot of, regardless, like people can debate whether or not Mortal Kombat is a good movie in critical quotation marks <laughs> till the cows come home. Mm-hmm. But like you can tell he brought a lot of like enthusiasm to this thing. It, it, it has more life than like the Resident Evil franchise, which just kind of feels very like. <sighs> I don't know, formulaic at a certain point. Yeah. That like, first movie it, it's was funny. Okay. That first movie what? Was okay. Yeah, it's interesting how he approached the first Resident Evil movie because he kind of approached it also saying that, well, there's so much story in this franchise that it would make a really good movie, but mm-hmm. instead of bringing all your favorite characters, he thought it'd be a good idea to present this story with brand new characters so you don't know who's going to die and kind of keep the essence of mm-hmm. the first game, which he didn't really, because the first game didn't have Marilyn Manson heavy metal and slow mo martial arts, but <laughs> it generally <laughs> does have the feel of the first game, and it generally has the feel of like a quintessential like entry in the franchise. But it just mm-hmm. didn't have what Mortal Kombat had, and I think part of that was his energy. Part of that was uh, Lawrence Kasnoff's, you know, really pushing the story and to expand it, and then. Everything else was, uh, thank God, of all the people they got uh, to act in the movie who, mm. you know, did their own thing. Because apparently the script wasn't that good either. Uh, apparently which... there was a lot of ad-libbing in yeah. the Mortal Kombat script. Because they weren't actually, they were writing the script while it was still in pre-pro. Right. And it wasn't, I don't know if they ever had a fully finished script until, like, they started shooting. Really? Uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't find uh, it when the script was finished. But like there, there, there of, was a version of the script, like you know, when they started filming ish, but like, yeah. no one liked it except uh, uh, Christopher Lambert was okay with it. Yeah, but like they just kept changing the, it. Apparently, a lot of the funny, like the lines and the humor, was uh, 
improved on set. And like, like yeah, Paul W. S. Anderson just being like, please, like, make jokes, have fun, yeah, huh. things. Yeah, like, and I guess a lot of credit needs to be actually said to like Lyndon Ashby because, like, of course, Johnny Cage being the comic relief character, like, of that movie, um, he actually has some really good lines that are actually I wouldn't call them memorable, but they're at least like, okay, that was actually kind of fun. It wasn't annoying. It was good. Like, you know, like, hey, when like when Sonya's calling Johnny like the most arrogant, stuck up person, and as he's walking away, and he's like, oh, but you forgot good looking. <laughs> And I wonder if that was that or not. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Jay. I don't think he's the comic relief of the movie. I think he's the emotional core of the movie. <laughs> oh, he's the emotional core of the movie. <laughs> well, the, he's the dramatic emotional core of the movie. Because <laughs> he's the most identifiable? And he's the guy pulled into. No, because he's, he's the most sincere. He is, he's the most... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His growth, his character arc is the strongest. Really? really, you think so? Because I actually—I <laughs> I... <laughs> was going to say that Johnny Cage shares the title of like comic relief with uh, Raiden because <laughs> they're both absolutely comedy. They, yeah. have, they have no growth. Uh, oh, Raiden's an interesting character too. I was reading a little bit about Christopher Lambert. Uh, is that how you pronounce it? Is it Lambert or Lambert? I've heard of both, but I prefer Lambert. It's kind of like small aside when Jay uh, was talking about Wonder Woman and he said Gal Gadot and I said no it's Gal Gadot and he's like oh and then he's talking about Angela Bassett and he said Angela Bassett I'm like no it's Bassett and he's like the fuck what are the rules I mean Actually, you're not it's wrong Bassay. it's Bassay. yeah it's it's Bassett like you have to no, like you have to, you have to draw that e apparently Christopher uh, uh, Lambert was uh, expensive they couldn't they yeah. couldn't. Uh, hire him for very long um so he wasn't going to go to thailand for the the scenes that they filmed in thailand he was only going to shoot stuff in la so they shot a bunch of close-ups of him in la and then they did uh the plan was to do wide shots with a double in thailand and then just try and stitch it together in the editing room and uh christopher lambert found about it found out about it and he said fuck that i'm coming to thailand uh and he basically went there for free. His manager and lawyer and everybody was like mad at him, but he basically just like went to Thailand for free. And then because he's such a nice, he's such a nice guy, he paid for the rap party as well. Wow, I didn't, I didn't so, know that. That's great. Yeah, I can't so, tell if this uh, is a bit or not. No, <laughs> no that's is, real. That's this real. One's I real. read it. Shout out to Christopher Lambert for um, being I think a wonderful person to work with. Awesome. The movie probably definitely did benefit from him uh, because Paul Anderson was real nervous and. Uh, Christopher Lambert is this, he's highest paid actor on the set and was so laid back that he was able to sort of comfort this newbie mm-hmm. director. Highest paid actor in Hollywood at the time as well. Oh, God damn, really? Which How? Like, a lot of people don't realize. Just because yeah. of the fucking Highlander? No offense <laughs> to Christopher <laughs> Lambert, but... Yeah. At one point, Tom Cruise tried to get on the set of Mortal yeah, Kombat. It... And uh, Christopher Christopher Lambert said, no, he cannot be on the set. Was it Christopher Lambert that said that? Because I just heard they hired... Because Christopher Lambert was the highest paid actor in Hollywood at the time. Tom Cruise was the second highest paid actor in Hollywood at the time. And he did not want those two forces mixing on the same set. He didn't want the Interesting. Because the story I heard is that they had a security guy uh, hired... Wait, you're just fucking on me right now, aren't you? (laughs) No, not at all. Okay. Because the story I heard was a security guy that was just so dedicated to his job that said, no, you're not fucking getting on. Uh, but second to that, highest grossing actor in Hollywood, more than Tom Cruise, more than more Arnold Schwarzenegger than, at the time. At the time, Christopher what was, Lambert. What, what was out? Yeah, or like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. T two that came out before that. Yeah, Terminator two just came out. 
And you're telling me the dude was in Highlander movie like three years ago is like higher grossing than him? I, I am saying that. I don't... <laughs> you're saying I'm, that. I'm, 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 I'm saying it, but I'm not saying it myself. Okay, fuck you. <laughs> Regard, yeah, you had me almost full. Regardless, though, he was uh, a pretty guiding force on the set, and so was Robin Shu, and, uh, you know... Rhythm Nashby was along for the ride, but he also ad-libbed. And I think I think there was so much teamwork that that's why it also was just it's a unique like movie. It's like they were their characters in real life and in, <laughs> and in the movie itself. A little bit. I <laughs> mean, so actually, like, like... Documentary, really. Yeah, yeah. like, what's well, actually kind of funny is that... Wait, like, was this movie a documentary? Yes, it was yeah, a documentary. Was. It was about you, you, it was about the fate of the world. First. Yeah. You heard it here first on this podcast. <laughs> Mortal Kombat 1995 was not fiction; it was a documentary. Yeah, well, we've was, been saying that for the longest. Reptile time. is real. I mean, I think I think today we've un, we've definitely uncovered some things that prove this theory. Yeah, the deaths that happened on set. So many mm-hmm. deaths. Yeah, we've also uncovered it's, that it's a, it's a snuff film. Yeah, yeah, it really kind of is. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it really kind of is. Like, we've also uncovered that Bridget Wilson cannot fight at all, but she tried. Like, she wanted to. Fight. I don't think we uncovered that. I think that's been. Well, that's been I will say. I mean, have you seen uh, Trevor Goddard, Kano, in another movie? Oh, no, nope. yeah, yeah, that's true. The real world, that's a real bad that's joke. A, it's a real, have you seen Gordo in another movie? No, no, I haven't seen Gordo in another movie. Like, have you seen Kerry Tagawa in other movies? Yeah, he's in Lost yeah. in Space as a show, though. But Johnny Tsunami. Any... Hey, bono. And, yeah, Johnny Tsunami yeah, and yeah, the Phantom. Yeah. Um, yeah, but did anybody watch those movies, Josh? That's the no. question. Uh, yeah. I watched did he really, but did he really die in Mortal Kombat? No, because he's a sorcerer. He's immortal. That's that's the thing. That's why we've seen him in other movies. It is interesting thing to bring up. Uh, there might be curses surrounding this movie too, and I'm being half serious here because, uh, okay. like, I made a real bad joke uh, about Kano just yep. there because that actor actually has passed away. Um, I forget what, but definitely untimely. Interestingly enough, uh, the actor who played Jax very briefly in the movie, uh, which one's Jax? He's dude. the black dude who later gets the metal arms, and he's Sony's oh, partner. He's, he's only he's in the like, beginning yeah. because he's not really part of the. He never gets on the boat. Don't they like leave him at the dock or something? Yeah, he yeah get he's on just like boat. Sonya. Where are you going? And I'm, okay, don't get on that boat. I guess I'll go back and get some metal arms because that's your first reaction at seeing a giant a... dragon boat. I was watching a review um, for Annihilation. And their one question they had was like, "Why did he get the the metal arms? And the, like, what kind of police force is he in where he could just get metal arms like that?" And also, why? After well, in the MK2 story. uh it literally is. He's no, because he doesn't have metal arms in MK2, but he fights in the second tournament because he's coming to look for Sonya. And after seeing the supernatural shit there and knowing what Earth might have coming to face it, he decides, yep, I'm going to get some metal arms. <laughs> and that's literally it. Oh my God. But anyway, to go back to that, uh, I should have brought up. Uh, my cast list and all that, but uh, yes, the actor who played Jax in MK95 did not too soon after die. Oh, shit. Um, so he didn't come back for Annihilation? No, they no, uh, new guy. Actor. It was actually an American gladiator uh, who came and played him in Annihilation, and it's kind of funny, because the main guy he fights against at the end of the movie is also an American gladiator. Yeah. If you remember that show. Do you remember that show, Elliot? I don't. No. Really? Oh, it was old. like a, it was like Ninja Warrior for the nineties. Yeah. Oh, wow. It, it was like these now. normal people doing obstacle courses, 
but there's these big buff gladiators who like try to thwart them and like push them off ledges. It was super fun. That was really so cool. it's like most extreme elimination challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what is that joke? Yeah, that was a one of those obstacle course shows from Japan. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh you know, it, it was essentially that, except not okay. as crazy. Not as but crazy. anyway, okay. so yeah, the dude that played Jax in the first movie uh passed away after sure. and but it's weird because he wasn't the first casting choice. The first casting choice was another guy, which I don't have my, my cast list, but he always played like these action type guys. Do you remember the movie I'm Gonna Get You Sucker? With uh have... with the Wayne brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Um so he he had the basically muscle ducky sucker. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> yes it is. Yes. Actually no, it's more fun than Ducky Sucker, sorry. Get out of here. It it, it was <laughs> Black Dynamite before Black Dynamite came out because it was a spoof on Black Boys Black Exploitation uh, okay. uh, films. But he had the look of just the big dude and he had the caterpillar mustache and he he looked like Jax. Uh, he passed away pancreatic cancer before the movie even started. Jeez. So then they bring in the second guy, and then he plays Jackson, and he fucking dies. Uh, same with Kano. Uh, Trevor Gardard afterwards would pass away. Uh, not right away. But then the guy that played Kano in the web series Legacy uh, apparently also passed away. Hmm. Who's playing Kano in the new movie? Uh, it's a Australian Australian actor. comic, yeah. Australian, like, comedic actor, yeah. So basically, if you play Kano or Jax, watch out. Watch yourself. Well, the guy that played Kano in Annihilation is still alive. Uh, And the guy, I'm sorry, uh, the guy that played Jax. Jax. The guy that played Jax and Kano from the games are still alive. Hmm. So maybe it's not so cursed. So maybe the the Jax curse was lifted, at least. Maybe. It was probably lifted because Jax and Annihilation is so great. Hmm. I, no, you know, I I have not. I don't think I've seen Annihilation. Well, that's we're, we're gonna make you watch. Oh, that we're much. gonna watch yeah. that. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're, oh yeah. We're totally gonna watch that, Elliot. And you're and and bring liquor. You're going to need it. Oh, dude, okay. it well, is. I, I should I should just tell everybody who's listening to like. Not only was I forced to watch Mortal Kombat by these people, I was forced to be on this podcast. Today. <laughs> and now you heard it. You heard it here. I'm being forced to watch Annihilation. I can't. Uh, can neither Set confirm out. nor deny that <laughs> events occurred. Like, like I'm happy. Uh, like, my family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Other, like, uh, like other people must know the suffering that we know. Like, if we're gonna suffer, we're going to suffer together. Damn it! There, there's gonna be no heaven. Who's suffering? Who's I suffering? didn't suffer watching. I actually didn't suffer watching Mortal Kombat. You guys are the worst kidnap hostage. Because <laughs> well, like, I actually I, really liked Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I knew you liked it. Like, I knew you. Like, you're not gonna say it's like Shakespeare. Maybe that was Stockholm Syndrome, though. Shoot. Yeah. Oh, my, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. <laughs> is. Well, I mean, I mean, well, Elliot. Like, this is like we're talking about annihilation. Like, yeah, Mortal Kombat is like a hefty, floaty dream on the Venice canals. Like, versus annihilation. Like, once we uh, go to annihilation, annihilation, like I can, I can find like, uh, what do you call it? I could find humor and enjoyment in that movie, but that movie is not good. It's is it like good. watching Troll Two, where it's like you're way no, the whole time? No, no, no. Or is it like watching The Pest, where you're aware the whole time this is a bad movie, and you're mad at Josh because he made you watch it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like The Pest. of the two. No, no, it's no. It's less offensive no, than The Pest. No, Josh. It's like it's like The Pest, where like after you watch it, you're like, you know what? I think I found one or two scenes that were funny, but the rest of it is just kind of like. <laughs> it's not supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be about the survival of human humankind and you know shoot that human well, joined our friendship last guys 
<laughs> yeah. It's a good movie. Josh, it's, think, it, it's a bad movie, but it's a good movie. Josh, I think you and I are one of the few people who like find enjoyment in Mortal Kombat. I guess so. I think Elliot will appreciate it. It's, it's I might fun. appreciate it. You I will have, have a fun. Very, I have a soft spot for movies that are bad, that have tortured productions. Uh, uh, this one had a tortured production. Yeah. I watched a movie last night, just to put it in context for people who don't know me who are listening to this, I watched a movie last night called The Ghost Galleon, which was a horror movie from Italy in the 1970s. Oh, I dig it already. It basically is just like a convoluted excuse to get people, mostly in bikinis, onto a old galleon from the 1400s where there are zombies in the hold of this boat so that they can be slowly chased <laughs> And slowly, I mean at like one mile an hour from one side of the boat to another. And then, I guess, eaten. It was pretty bad. So, And I enjoyed every minute of it. So uh, that, that, sounds, yeah. that sounds like something I'd like to watch soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. These movies are masterpieces. Uh, I, to... I, I had previously told, like, uh, with Elliot, or I'm sorry, with you seeing that, you know, I hate the term so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. But uh, every now and then, a movie comes along that that fits that description. And yeah, there's certain movies where it certainly applies. Yeah, because like Annihilation is a bad movie. It's the movie mm-hmm. that everybody that every kid that went and saw the first one and what holy shit was looking forward to. I know I was looking forward to it because mm-hmm. I held up our dial-up internet for three hours, uh, buffering the trailer, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it came out, and everyone was like. What the fuck was that? But it was it's still got energy to it and it's it's pacing is pretty good, admittedly, and it's it's a fun trip. Uh, there there is some energy to movies in the nineties, you know? Yeah. I mean I remember when the trailer for it came out. I forget what I was seeing. It came for out in ninety seven. Annihilation? Yeah. Yeah. I forget I forget what came out that year. I, I was either seeing like one of the Star Wars special editions or Batman and Robin or something like that in theaters. I can't remember what it was, Ooh, but man. I remember seeing the trailer for Annihilation, uh-huh. and the theater was hyped. Like everyone was like, "Oh god, this is gonna be great." <laughs> I actually went and saw Annihilation in theaters, and unfortunately, much like I how reminisce about how that you know the '95 movie on the day that I went and saw it was full of satisfaction. Well, Annihilation was full of regret. Like that was just a day <laughs> full of like absolute regret. Like I woke up, the cereal sucked. Um, I think I, <laughs> like, 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 cereal did you have? I think I kept, no, I think I kept, no, I think I kept in crunch. So everything was terrible. Um, and then after that, I think I had a date that day. I can't remember, but I think I did. And I don't think that I'll put a it this date way. In high school? Wait, a date? Yeah. A date, a, a date night to Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And I'll tell you How right. How old are you? I thought you were like my age. No, I'm older than you. I was like, I was born in 82. So I would have been 15. So yes, that is dateable. Oh, okay. That okay. is that's dateable. Yeah, that's very dateable range. And that's however, the, however, the, like, like, yeah, however, that, that that's like that's like awkward dateable range where like you know, hey, you've never kissed a girl before in your life, but you're trying, like you're working towards that point, like you're still on the. Did, like, wait, did you take a date to Mortal Kombat Annihilation? I, I believe I did, Josh. And <laughs> oh my god! And, and needless to say, there was nothing. There was no happy ending that night at all. Like there was a <laughs> wow. Like 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 there was a sad ending full of like 
me eating ice cream with regret. Like that's all that was. Like it was. It was. Should have took her to Schindler's List. So yeah, she <laughs> I, uh, I don't think she was paying attention to the movie, but I was trying to pay attention to the movie, and I was just having regret the entire time. I should have been paying attention to her, but I was actually giving Annihilation a chance, and it let me down. It was just really bad. That was your. That was your mistake. <laughs> yeah, that was my mistake. See? Like, like, see, like I said, a day full of regret, and I don't think I can forgive Annihilation for that. I see. I still remember liking it. I mean, well, I mean, I, I I addressed that it was basically a different caliber of movie. I didn't see it in the theaters like you and you seen did, but I do remember seeing it, uh, and then hanging out with a friend at like uh, our family's old hunting camp, uh, where there's nothing to do. We would just spend the night, and he hadn't seen it yet, and I was narrating the movie for him, uh, <laughs> just like telling him from my memory beginning to end. And I was like, and then Raiden mm-hmm. says, "I'm proud to die." Immortal like you. And he's like, whoa. And then Raiden said, what are, okay. what's with the arms? What's with the arms? <laughs> we Dude, did we... a new podcast. It's like drunk history, but it's just Josh describing the plots of movies to people. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, that's one of my uh, tentative ideas uh, <laughs> also is for me. Episode. Well, I, I had an idea that maybe all of us recite uh, the, the this transcript, basically, of the first movie uh, until mm. Yassine and Jay were like, I don't know, we're not as good at memory as you are, and like, well, maybe it'd just be me, but that'd be kind yeah, of Yeah, it would be you, and then me and Jay would be like, saying Sound all effects. the wrong, wrong, and Josh would be correcting us, and then it's just... Yeah, <laughs> like, like I, I, re- I really kind of think, Josh, we would be reacting to you, but not actually driving the conversation. You would. We would just kind of be like, yeah, sure, Josh, and what happened then? You know, and then you just kind of <laughs> go... And then Scorpion said... Get down here, and then <laughs> and we do all the sound effects on like a soundboard or something like that. Hey guys, can I pee real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah go for it. Sweet. No, yeah, sure. Right back. Yeah, where, where do we want to start? Uh, start in. Let's movie start time? right now. Are, we talking, one, are we actually going to talk about the movie now? Like, yeah, let's talk about the movie. the movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Is the actual right. movie. So this we did talk about uh, a bit about the production and how this came to be. Like, what did you guys actually the think of the movie? Like uh, the troubled, Elliot, Elliot the troubled production. The troubled production. Yes. Uh, well, Elliot, this like, one didn't have that much control. I guess production. starting with starting with you, Elliot. Like what? Do you actually think of the movie now that you've, you've okay. seen it so, the first time? So I while? know I, I remember seeing it when I was like seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. Uh, for the first time, I, I rented it from like Blockbuster or something. So uh, I remember at the time not liking it. Right. Interesting. And and I was like, this this movie's bad. Didn't age well. Uh, yada yada. And then watching it again with you guys a few weeks ago, I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was very. Uh, I guess kind of, I don't want to say nostalgic because I don't have any nostalgia attached to this particular franchise, but it had that like feel of like peak 90s. Yeah. You know, and and so it is kind of nostalgia really when you get down to it. Yeah, in that way, in like a broad way of like an era, you know, it it definitely had some nostalgia attached to it. Um, I do think, you know, it's obviously like not like a perfect movie. Uh, by any means, like Shut your mouth. you can, you could have a conversation about Mortal <laughs> Kombat in the same breath as like Citizen Kane or something. Nor, I, nor I think should you. Uh, I can, but <laughs> you can. <laughs> um, it all comes but, uh, down to though, like what is a movie aspiring to be? And as far exactly. as exactly, like, and I think it, like, it sets out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sets out to be 
uh, you know, a movie about a bunch of people from different realms and uh, places being sent to a different dimension to fight each other in a, you know, a contest for what ownership of the world, I guess. Pretty Is that much? Yeah, like, yeah, pretty yeah. Much. <laughs> Uh, and and it succeeds. Earth, it succeeds, and it's funny. Like I think it's remarkable too to think that, like, you know, in, socially, like nowadays, we're having a lot of conversations about like diversity and casting, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff in movies. And like this movie is May '95, and it has an Asian lead. Uh, it's got a very diverse mixed cast. It's pretty fucking fun to watch. And it made a lot of money at the same time. And like, I don't know. I, yeah. No, that's I could my probably, exactly. I could probably uh, encapsulate my feelings on the movie a little more. Uh, what's like, <laughs> I'm very drunk. Uh, a, little <laughs> more, a little more uh, directly or astutely than I am doing right now. But I, I found it to be a very enjoyable, fun, and in a weird way, wholesome movie, despite it being about people. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it really is when you get down to it because it has morals. It has a, it has a moral in it. Um, moral, moral combat. Moral combat. Yes. A moral. moral combat. Well, no. Like uh, Raiden tells Liu Kang, and Liu Kang repeats later to Shang Tsung. Uh, you know, every every mortal is responsible for his own destiny. Take charge of your own life. I almost slammed the table, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> Slam the table. Slam the. I really for that kill one. You. Yes. I'll, uh, but no, it's it's it is a wholesome movie, and probably because it's not like a snuff film about killing people, and they toned it down and really tied into the story and try to give like this, you know, human humanized perspective to it, because it's not yeah. about death. No, it is. I'm going to disagree. It's a snuff film. <laughs> well, supposedly people were freaked out by the trailer of uh, the, the Mortal Kombat 2021 and said, "Oh wow, that's a snuff film." I kind really? Some people have said that. Like, what? like I actually like, uh, like for me, the film is not about death, but life. And the thing I love about it is that it's about three people from three different walks of life, with all the reasons in the world, you know, to actually fight in this tournament. And you know, Raiden clearly spells it out, almost comically so, what their flaws are and how they have to get through them. And then at the end of the day, he tries to teach them the reason why they fight in Mortal Kombat, and then some of them get it, and then eventually he has nothing to teach them, which he never taught them anything in the first place, but they figured it yeah. out. That was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, and so it's a, it, so in, in the end, it's about three people from three different walks of life coming together and saving the world on a leaky boat, and that is exactly what it is. And it's actually a very inspirational story about the power of friendship, and that's why I Nobody love it. Nobody relatable, though, really, when you think it's about free. it. Three different walks of life. You have, you have a... a, a monk a disgraced monk uh you have a special forces soldier and you have a hollywood actor i had an idea for like a mortal Kombat movie where it's dude don't us. forget sonya sonya is like a special I forces. Said, a... special i said special forces soldier <laughs> no you didn't many you people said... are yes, he did. He did. i literally can't did confirm. are you drunk no i'm not drunk, drunk. No, no but like i obviously can't hear it i just heard disgraced monk and uh, then everything well, maybe after I, that maybe i cut out but anyway None of those characters are relatable to the every person. So, you know, I had an idea for a Mortal Kombat movie where, like, imagine if, uh, like, Seth Mc... Or, uh, what's his face, uh, from, uh, from the 40-Year-Old Virgin and all that. Steve Carell? Uh, Seth no, Rogen? Seth Rogen. Imagine if people like Seth Rogen just got pulled in, like, what's this? <laughs> and, like, 
they all of a sudden like you know start a fight and one of their friends gets decapitated and it's like oh my god <laughs> and somebody runs into the ring and goes mortal combat it's like okay i guess this is what we're forced to do for you know the next day or two is that Just your average... review of the movie josh no that's my uh that's my treatment of a, a reboot Oh, okay. okay. So who who would get sucked into the Mortal Kombat arena? So you'd have like people who don't have any like canon. In yeah, no, just so, average dudes. So would it just be like, you know, like Seth Rogen? Uh, Seth Rogen, James Franco. James Franco. The Rock. No, The Rock would totally get sucked in. He's not relatable. Jack well, Black. Yeah, oh, Jack God, Black. yeah. Uh, bring in The Rock. Yeah, why not? You know, he'd be Kevin the one Hart. winning, apparently. Kevin Hart has to huh? be in it. If, if The Rock is in it, then Kevin Hart has to be in it. Yeah, you gotta sure. get an Oscar winner in there though, like maybe like Kate Blanchett or something. Kate, yeah, sure, yeah, why not? The in- know, somebody who you wouldn't expect to see. Meryl Streep. See, see, now we're talking about casting. I was just thinking about the the the, the, uh, the characters. concept. But, characters. You know. It has to be like there has to be like an out of work screenwriter that they pluck out of like Starbucks or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, or you know, Publix or what have you. Yeah, maybe like the Starbucks was like built over like the portal to the Mortal Kombat place. <laughs> there you go. I like it. We're developing one, your yeah. script already. One Let's dude really gets, work on this. One dude gets sucked into a portal while he's while he's driving and he's doing a DoorDash delivery and he gets sucked into the portal. <laughs> going on that. Oh shit! <laughs> see now you're talking. See, see now you're talking about making Mortal Kombat super modern because obviously one of the pe- one of the fighters in Mortal Kombat would be like a DoorDash slash Uber driver for like you know his career or something. <laughs> And yeah. he find- DoorDash would be like his fatality move. Yeah, pretty much. He, <laughs> he just drives a car over you and like gives you poison food or something. Yeah. No, he materializes a door and dashes at you. And just- <laughs> he just puts your order. <laughs> yeah, he just, <laughs> he just and he starts. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, my order, my food, my takeout food. Where's, and my, f- <laughs> where's my french fries? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, oh, I think we were talking about Mortal Kombat 1995. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Classic film directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Right. Not to and be confused, or to be confused with P.T. Anderson, who directed Punch Drunk Love. Playable uh, trailer, Anderson? Uh, <laughs> playable trailer, Anderson. Directed uh, Punch Drunk Love, uh, Boogie Nights, uh, and There Will Be Blood, which oh. was the uh, working title for Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah, yes, wow. yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, and that's true. If you told me that, like, that was, like, the code title for it, I would have believed it. Well, I just did. Well, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's, of course, Paul W. Anderson, or is it Paul W. Anderson, or just Paul Anderson? There's two. Paul W. Anderson? How many, How many Paul Anderson? Andersons are there? Well, you know, the I Love Dogs and uh, fucking uh, Budapest, what's his name? Budapest Hotel, yeah, Paul. Oh, that's Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Wes yeah, Paul, Anderson. Paul, Wes, Paul Wes Anderson, Anderson doing Mortal Kombat would be amazing because the whole movie would be shot like in the same like flat, <laughs> like side scroll view. It would just begins. be them like, hey, oh, oh, wow, that's a different take. I was thinking the whole movie would just be them hanging out at the the dining hall and talking about uh the the fight. And yeah, yeah there would be that too. The, there the would real be two fights. Isn't them fighting each other. It's the the fatality of living in this society Goddamn. <laughs> i remember when i was i don't know when i don't know when i was younger or whatever people would mention wes anderson and i was i for a while i got confused I like are you talking about the guy who did mortal kombat because like is it paul ws anderson so i was like, wes anderson i thought the w is for wes and i was like okay I guess oh my god person. god between <laughs> the three of them you have the ultimate filmmaker right well they should paul, paul paul needs to make some fucking good uh, but he, he but he can shoot some action. Yeah, so if Damn you right. combine if you combine oh. all the Parsons together, you get Paul Ultimate Anderson. That's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul Ultimate Anderson, Anderson Ultimate. Ultimate. 
That is a funny thing I wanted to bring up uh, with Paul Anderson. Um, he can shoot some action. Uh, the Resident Evil movies are definitely proof of it. But oh god, I mean, okay, uh, he Shut didn't. Up. He wasn't involved in two or three, so you can't deny that the others had some pretty. But he was involved in six, right? Yeah, that was the only faux pas. I don't know what the fuck happened there. Uh, <laughs> he hired a ba- he hired an editor that you know that. They had the specific style choice of doing 50 cuts for one move. Um, that was a bad decision. Dude, watch the, <laughs> watch the, just watch the scene where she's hanging upside down, like, shooting away like zombies or whatever. It's just, oh, it's so bad. Yeah, no, that's the only one that I'm like, what the fuck happened? Um, four, five, and six, though, have some very great set pieces. Yeah, he uh, seems like a director who's like, his idea for a movie is like, I have this idea for a sequence in this movie. I guess I'll have to shoot the rest of it, too. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the whole the whole point of the Resident Evils that felt to me is, because he also wrote them, is that... He loves his wife. He loves his wife, who he <laughs> met and fell in love with on the first movie. Um, And he seems to have this thing of write himself into a corner at the end of the movie and then pick it up and ignore what he teased in the previous movie. And it feels like I've said this about annihilation, but it feels like a fourth grader just making up a story as he goes along. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's really it's called bad. a plot twist, Josh. Yeah. A plot <laughs> twist. Okay. So uh, Alice is now a clone and every employee of an umbrella is a clone. Oh, but now in movie six, she's a special clone. She's a clone of the, the founder's daughter. The, the, the fuck? Plot oh God, twist. quit writing. <laughs> Plot twist. Anyway, when he was directing Mortal Kombat, uh, because he had not done a big action movie before, apparently is a funny little anecdote that he was recording uh, the, the fight scenes and shooting them wide and basically making them do the whole fight from beginning to end and then having to do take two and three till Robin Shu eventually came up to him and is like, dude, you know how we do this in Hong Kong? And he explained doing the close shots and only doing the wide shots and all that. And basically, like, Paul Anderson had enough humility to take some learning from, like, people that have been in the biz. And everyone else was, like, more than glad to help. And I think that's also part of what made the movie as, you know, charming and, like, well done as it was. is just because, like I said earlier, teamwork. Imagine being a director and not knowing what a close-up is, though. Right. Well, you know, he literally did one movie for $100,000, you know? <laughs> I saw the trailer. There were some close-ups in there, unless he was, like, just not well, paying attention. Yeah. He started out, and he was, like, thinking, like, oh, a fight scene. I'm going to record mm-hmm. the fight scene so I can see everything. And it's like, no, dude. Yeah. We're going to wear ourselves out. you got to film, you know, the close-ups, the hits. But, and... but a wonder fight scene could be interesting. Too. It could be. I mean, well, they've done them, obviously. Remember Hannah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Hannah. Yeah. I love Hannah. I think what, uh, like, some stuff that they do in Hong Kong is that they shoot in sequence. Like, they... At least I know like Jackie Chan movies and stuff like that where they they don't do the wide stuff. They they have all the shots in their heads. So like we're gonna do this hit, these few hits in one shot, and then we're gonna go to the next one and do the next few mm. hits or whatever. So they do it in order, and they don't do like the whole. They do it in pieces, but they do it in like sequence instead of doing the whole thing. Because by the time you get to the end of the sequence, if you do it all in one take, you're really tired and there's no energy anymore. So they kind of and they know what angles they're gonna do. And they just do that angle. They don't do any coverage or anything like that. So maybe that's what Robert Shu was telling Paul. Imagine Anderson. being decisive with what you want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because when they do the... 
I, I don't know anything about filmmaking, but when you do a master, is that just so that you can have as much to edit as possible or uh it depends it depends on the the nature of the scene because a lot of a lot of scenes do try and do like this the the spielberg one kind of attempt right at like at like a master shot where it's like the camera uh moves and it takes on like different like you know close-up medium shot whatever you know you get your coverage within one shot and then you, you grab like a couple cutaways if you need to pick different takes uh, okay. to edit them together. A lot of movies do that. Spielberg is of course, you know, really famous for doing those. Um, I think he's still one of the best people mm. at doing them, but a lot of times, you know, things just get kind of the way movies are shot nowadays. A lot of times it's just like you have three cameras and you're just shooting from different angles and you figure it out in post. Uh, the nineties were probably a little different where it was a little more, uh, intentional with their their blocking because they didn't have like multi-camera shoots all the time mm, okay digital kind of changed things i think there's a lot more cameras being used when they can yeah yeah um so basically where we left off is just our assessment uh as it stands on a movie on its own uh Elliot kind of gave his thoughts. I rambled. Yeah, well, I mean, like, yeah, like, I kind of rambled myself, too, but I mean, like, from Mortal Kombat 95, that film is still gonna just, I I still think it holds up in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think it's, like, it has some dated concepts in it, for sure, because obviously the CG is kind of dated, but from, like, if you think, like, from, like, a set design standpoint, and even from, like, an acting standpoint, which is nothing to write home about, but it still kind of works because its pacing is still pretty good. Um, it's It still sells a very, like, simple story, and despite its stated CGI and all that other stuff, like, I still think it still works as, like, a pretty basic blockbuster popcorn flick of the era, and, like, you know, the fights were... Not necessarily anything revolutionary, but they were different at the time because this was definitely, you know, before the Matrix. So, like, if you're trying to watch, like, a really good martial arts movie prior to the Matrix, mind you, in America, Mortal Kombat will scratch that itch. It probably won't, like, you know, fully satisfy that itch, but it'll scratch it a little bit and say, like, okay, there's some things in this film that are actually working quite well. And, for me, like, I think that sort of it's, it's, it's sort of ongoing legacy as this, like, piece of history where, you know, you can watch this movie, realize it's a video game adaptation, and for the longest time, I think really until, um, Sonic the Hedgehog came out, which is a, my opinion, huh. a actual good comic book adaptation movie from pretty good, much from, but not great. Yeah, good, but not great. But Mortal Kombat is also good, but not great. But it still kind of scratches the itch. And uh, it, and it, well, <laughs> like, like, like it does. Like, like, you. I know you're it's gonna disagree. Great. I know you're just gonna. Well, it's it's great, but at the same time, it's more good than it's great, in my opinion, because it does actually have some dated things. Like for one, Josh, it's Mortal Kombat, and the damn thing isn't even rated R, and we all know we want that, and we're getting that with a new movie. But I want like all the heart and the lightning in a bottle aspect, but I want it rated R, and I want better fights. Like even by the standards of today's action movies, Mortal Kombat is kind of trying to get there. But it's not quite there with I don't action. know about that, dude. Definitely better than a lot of action movies we've gotten. Uh, fucking Jason Bourne shit, and even better than The Dark Knight and all that bullshit. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think the action scenes in Mortal Kombat are. I mean, now, now like in the last like five or maybe even ten years, action is starting to get better in Hollywood. But I think a lot of we those had that fights we are, had that shaky cam era, yeah, two yeah. thousands era. Yeah, like, so I think I think a lot of those pretty rough. I thought I think Mortal Kombat fights are better than a lot of movies that we get. 
I think the Matrix is still like the pinnacle of like. Yeah. It yeah, was, like the Matrix and like Mad Max. Those are like the pinnacle of like Western action yeah. sequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but what I, I mean, kind of can you mean... really call the Matrix action when they had Yen Wu Ping do the choreography? How's it not action? Like, like when you think uh, about like, like when you think about like from an action perspective, the Matrix is sort of like the bar that we want to reach, and Mortal Kombat is not at that bar. I think we can all agree on that. It's 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 good. There's nothing inherently wrong yeah. with it, but it's not quite up there because we've we've commented on this. There's plenty of fights in this movie where Robin show Shu is clearly like slowing down his fight scenes, and there's clearly like we we all know Bridget Wilson cannot fight, and even Lennon Ashby. I mean, God bless him, he's trying, but he can't fight all that well, not without a stunt double. So that so there's some things there that are not quite where we want him to be. Like I'll put it this way: there's been better action movies that have come out since Mortal Kombat '95 that are far and away better from an action perspective. And the two I can think of off the top of my head are like Raid 1, Raid 2, the John oh, Wick trilogy wow. by mean, far, you know, like, and then you got The Matrix, and then even Matrix, you know, The Matrix sequel's better in terms of action, if that's what we're judging it by. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was a step in, I, I don't think, I, I'm curious if The Matrix trilogy would have happened had Mortal Kombat not come out, you know, because there was so much Eastern influence question. in... Well, I think movies. I think it would have because I think the main reason the Matrix happened also uh, was large part due to Crouching Tiger. Oh, that's uh, true. Which is the Wait, same. No, no, Crouching Tiger was after. Uh, yeah, Crouching Tiger was two thousand. No, no, I'm gonna have to rewrite my brain. Are you sure? I was released in America. I'm pretty sure Crouching Tiger came out, oh. and that was Yen Wu Ping as well, and it introduced America because it was so widely dis- distributed here to Wirefu. Oh, gonna argue with you yeah you, i think you're wrong if you want to look it up uh i'm pretty sure because i remember seeing that in nope. theaters it came out Crushing tiger came out in 2000, 2000 the matrix yeah. was 99 fuck i never mind a whole point maybe i'm thinking of there was black mask just came out a little bit before but that, that wasn't like super black mask big. black mask is jetly and oh, it was that? also Pink. yeah i mean but yeah that, but that was yeah, martial arts movies were coming out in the U.S. I think like, like we had a lot more like Hong Kong style, basically. But Jackie Chan like came out like became famous in the U.S. in like the mid to late '90s, and then Rush Hour came out in '98, and that made yeah. him really big too. Right. And yeah. The Matrix was getting pitched in like '96 or '97 too. Right. Like. The idea for it was like starting, and I think they went into production in like '97. Yeah. Came out until '99. So, uh, the balls were in mo- the the balls were in motion. The, the <laughs> The wheels were really? motion. <laughs> um, I did. I did have a thought about the Mortal Kombat 1995, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'm curious if I would enjoy it as much if I wasn't watching it with you guys. Because like watching right. it with you guys, even though we did it all, you know, virtually in these COVID days, right. it was a delight. You know, to like watch it with people who would react to the movie as it was mm-hmm. happening. But if I was just like sitting like in my living room by myself at night. Right. Would I enjoy it as much? I don't know. I think it's like a party movie. I mean, any movie is more enjoyable with other people unless it's... Yeah, like I don't know about need... that. Well, uh, yeah. unless it's something you need to concentrate on, like, you know, yeah, like yeah. a art house movie. But I will say, you probably would have enjoyed it. Maybe with less attachment, it wouldn't have been as fun or meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, basically, we can all say it's a movie that Definitely uh, doesn't aspire to anything more than being just a rock'em sock'em, but with some admirable set design and aesthetics. But I'm reminded of a discussion I had on the IMDb forums back when the forums were open. 
uh, and I was active on there. And uh, this is several years after I had seen Mortal Kombat, and uh, I had just got done seeing Blair Witch Project. <laughs> and I was discussing it uh, on the forums there, and some people saying how, oh, it's a stupid movie, it doesn't show anything, you don't get to see the witch, it's yada yada. And I was like, what, 19 at the time or something like that? And I said, no, I quite liked it. And I was talking about it with these people, and I admitted my age, and I said, but I really like this movie. I think it's very subtle and well done and all that. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's really encouraging that, you know, young people, you know, could still, you know, get an appreciation for good taste in movies. And I'm like, yeah, you know, because I like movies like this uh, and what most recently Mortal Kombat. And they're like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, hard stop. They're like, Mortal Kombat sucks. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, will, I think I mean, they were just like angry boomers, though. Well, that's the thing. It's they also like no, you're on the, you're on the IMDb forum, so it's like it's also probably has a lot of film snobs that just want to like right. And there were right. a lot of film snobs that were turning their nose when this movie was in production, just because of the fact it was a video game movie. I mean, I think there's probably still a lot of snobs turning. There probably still are. This video game can't have a good story. Lawrence Kasanoff uh, recognized that it had like very deep, like it had like. It's it's Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. There's so much of it. You could make movies for days. Yeah, I don't know. I I will still argue that this is a great movie. I don't know. It's it it has the right elements, the right time that it was made, the right cast. Like it just it worked. And it for me, like because I don't I don't have as much attachment to the early game story, like the the lore of it all. Like I don't like when you're when you're a kid and you're playing the arcades, like. Unless you sat there for like 15, 20 minutes and looked at the pre-roll over and over again to read all the dialogue, you're like, I'm not going to do that if I'm just going to put a quarter in and just play the game. So yeah, I never... You just want to fucking hurt somebody. Right. So then I never well, really... Well, you walk by when you're out of money and you just stare at it. Yeah, I did that for a while, but then, I don't know. I just never retained all that, so I never had too much... Uh, I never knew about the whole Great Kung Lao thing and all that stuff. Like, I never really knew all that. So for me, this was my first, like... And one of my first, like, entries into what the actual story of Mortal Kombat is. So for me, this movie is kind of canon in my head somehow. Or it's like, it's like a separate kind of canon, but it's like its own thing. And for me, I still think it's a solo movie. Because, like, the Annihilation doesn't treat this movie as a sequel, so why should I, really? Like, (laughs) I feel like Annihilation forgets everything about this movie. It just does its own thing. So this is kind of a solo movie. But I don't know. I, I love... Pretty much everything about it, even the bad CGI. I'm just like, I just chalk it up to being the mid '90s, a low budget mid '90s action movie. Of course, the CGI is not going to be great. Same. You have to make yeah. allowances for that. Yeah. So then, because like literally, this just came out a couple years after Jurassic Park, which was after Terminator Two was the big, you know, CGI thing. Yeah. Right. Jurassic Park used a whole different system of CGI than I think any other movie, correct, ever has. Like yeah. they did a whole. Like, I want to say it was, like, built around, like, stop-motion techniques. It was, because that's what they were going to do first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the CGI is completely different. Right. Sorry to, yeah, derail, but yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it, 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 I just put it at a different, you know, I don't really, it's unfair to compare it to a movie like freaking Jurassic Park or whatever. It's, I, I, it, I, I, it, knows, it knows what it is. Like, everybody who made that movie, it felt like they were genuine about it. Like, they yeah. made a genuine effort to make a fun movie about a fun video game franchise. And I feel like they accomplished that. 
And that's why I feel like this movie, more than any of the other movies in that era that were based off of video games, worked. Like, I don't know what the situations were with, like, Mario, like, the Mario movie. But it feel, it doesn't feel like everybody was on the same page. Like, the fact that, like, hearing about Christopher Lambert, like, going all in on this thing mm-hmm. like that. Like, that just feels like, that, show, that shows, like, an earnest to this project that shows in the movie. And it doesn't matter what they're saying, it, whatever good, bad lines, whatever is happening. It just You're just having fun with it. And that's yeah. for me, that's what I enjoy. And even though now it's 2021 and we're watching this movie when, you know, we have all these like big budget action movies are are like are like a majority of the film industry now. And, you know, comic book movies are a thing and, you know, all that stuff. Even we're getting the nerds like, one. We took over. Right. <laughs> but, we you know, even like the, the 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 video game movies that come out now, like, I mean, we talk about Sonic, but also like the Pokemon movie came out and that was also I, I thought was really good. So like we're getting more and more like good movies, though there's also bad ones like, you know, Paul Anderson's Monster Hunter, which I hear is bad too. Uh, yeah. Um, but I feel like this was, you know, it's lightning in a bottle and it's something mm-hmm. that I can watch today and still yeah, it's it's mostly nostalgia. There's a lot of nostalgia with this movie. But I can watch this movie and still just enjoy things about what I'm actually seeing and the characters and the actors playing the characters are just like, I think they're doing a really good job for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think so it's I only don't... part nostalgia because like, well, I mean, Elliot just admitted, you know, he had a lot of fun, but yeah, I have like no nostalgia. I, yeah, I, they... I appreciated like the, the earnest approach to it. Like it doesn't feel like it's a movie that's made by people who don't care about the material. Right. right. You know, like yeah. if you can feel like, you know, there was an attempt at doing something that was reverential to, you know, an admittedly new IP at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was a new IP. And, and we have yeah. the unknown variable of like, had you seen this by yourself? But I think. Well, when I, I watched it by it, myself, I didn't like it. I remember. Right. Like, the, well, but that probably was I was watching it because I was like, too. this. I was 17, but I was like, this is dated. This isn't very good. That's because you're like, oh, this CGI is stupid. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But like watching it now, I can look back on it and be like, okay, well, I can acknowledge that maybe this isn't like our modern standards for X and Y. Mm-hmm. But when this came out, this was this was something different. This was something yeah. fairly revolutionary, really. Yeah. And I think um, basically, I think a lot of it owes to just like artistically, everything in the movie is pretty successful. But I think also just like the general story archetypes are so tried and true because we all acknowledge it's Enter the Dragon. Yeah. It, it's oh, just yeah. fucking Enter the Dragon. And, like, apparently, like, Lawrence Kasanoff even said before the movie was even made that the video games are Enter the Dragon meets Star Wars. And so, not coincidentally, the movie pretty much follows the same beats as Enter the Dragon, which I had not seen Enter the Dragon until I was 17 or 18. So, none of that was lost to me. And not that that's the greatest story ever told either, but it's a tried and true successful framework for a story. If that if that's the case, then that means that like if Enter the Dragon like had a baby with big trouble in Little China, you get Mortal Kombat. Basically, I mean, that <laughs> basically describes the first video game. That's right? pretty much yeah. what the first like. Yeah. It, was, it was basically like a group of guys in Chicago. Like, what cool uh, movies can we just reference? And they just started <laughs> naming them down. Like, let's make that game. Pretty much. Yeah, and like. and like a lot of what I find good about the Mortal Kombat 95, like I've gone back and originally talked about the action for it, like it, 
it, like it's trying to be something more. Um, and it's and like I said before, not this is no discredit to the movie, but it's not quite where we want it to be yet in terms of action. But it's a very good stepping stone. It's a very good stepping stone in the right direction because I mean, if you want to talk about action, Street Fighter was also came out in '95, and that action is not very good, and Mortal Kombat really outperformed it. So it's kind of showing where the success lies and the hard work lies. I mean, like what we were talking earlier in this podcast about how all the injuries happened pretty much on set, how many ribs were broken, and that was like a sign of like how good a fight was, according to Robin Shu. So when you look at that, you're sitting here thinking like, okay, you know, in order to make a good action scene, you have to make these hits real. Like these hits have to feel real. And right now, one thing I'll give Mortal Kombat a lot of credit for is that we get actual fights that feel like hits actually have impact like these people these actors actually are doing some of these stunts and they are taking these hits for real and it and it feels it and you're in subconsciously you can totally see that on screen whereas like you know to reference another another film like say you know um uh, the star wars prequels uh, the Phantom Menace, those fights are like expertly choreographed to where basically people are jumping around like freaking pinballs and no, no one's taking any damage <laughs> at all. And it doesn't feel like it because everything's so perfectly there. So there's a raw realness to the fights in Mortal Kombat that sort of make it stand out from the crowd because these days, and at least in American martial arts movies, um, there's not even, like, that is so far and few between. And I think American filmmakers are getting better at this because I think the John Wick trilogy is proof of that because that's a very yeah. modern thing. And, but, like, you know, at the same time, Mortal Kombat, I think, kind of helped pave the way for that because before Mortal Kombat, you know, what we got from martial arts was honestly kind of a joke. Like, we got the Karate Kid. That was our martial arts, like, saga. <laughs> and that's nothing to write home about in terms of action. Well, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's nothing to write home about action either. <laughs> Trust me. Like, the, the same uh, fight choreographer also worked in Mortal Kombat. Oh. Yeah, 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 and that's true. But if you watch the Ninja Turtles one, there isn't that Robin Shu Hong Kong no. influence there. And like, they it, are and, slowed and, down. And, and granted, like, like, I, like, I'll say this: I love the Ninja Turtles movie from a nostalgia standpoint. But if you look at it from an action film standpoint, it's not that good. But you kind of forgive it because these are guys in suits doing this stuff, and yeah. they're doing their yeah, best. But when, you, but when you look at it from a Vanilla Ice standpoint, you get <laughs> classic on your hands with the yeah. second movie. Yeah. Small aside, small aside, it just blew my mind that Christopher Maloney was uh, the hockey dude in that movie. Y- y'all know who he is, right? No. no. Who's the Christopher Maloney? S fucking uh, Law & Order SVU. Oh, I don't watch that. I don't watch, I don't it, watch either. it either, but I know the dude because it it's on the TV in the background anytime I'm around Dick the Wolf. TV. Uh, yeah, we all know Dick Wolf. He's the dude partnered with the short hair girl, Ice T, and he's got a temper problem. Is it Elliot Stabler? Oh, that yeah, Stabler, Stabler. Okay, I only know the name because Elliot. Yeah, uh, oh <laughs> Elliot. Elliot Stabler is is in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as Casey oh, Jones. Really? Yeah. Oh, are you? And I, I remember him, but I don't remember that it was yeah Stabler. Wow. I just, huh. Small little trivia popped up in my head. Yeah. Um. I guess before we wrap up, I just want to point out, it's been about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. We didn't mention Carrie Tagawa once. Oh, this. wow. Oh, my God. No, no, That's I did. Lie. I totally mentioned Carrie Tagawa you didn't <laughs> earlier. Wow. Did you? I don't recall. All right. Well, the podcast is canceled, guys. 
Yeah, we podcast gotta do this whole canceled. podcast over again because there's no it's way that we could do an hour and a half. Talking about how the cast was essential for the movie being successful, um, yeah, he's the MVP of this movie because like he. I was sells... going to briefly mention it when Elliot was saying that this is a movie in the '90s and it has an Asian lead. I was going to cut in and say an Asian lead and the Asian opposition, which is Carrie Tagawa. Well, the thing also is, the best yeah, fucking Shang Tsung ever. Yeah, like I mean. I feel like there's there's been Asian like antagonists before in in yeah in an Asian Hollywood, antagonist is, is not that unusual but yeah, to it's have a very that Fu Manchu trope and yeah West. and it's funny because Shang Tsung as a character is a Fu Manchu trope but they in the didn't quite game, yeah. in the in the games but they didn't quite do that in the movie and Kerry Tagawa did his own thing. He did his own thing, and he's freaking go- like glorious in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, there's a lot I of. I think you almost said gorgeous. Yeah. He's also gorgeous. In yeah, yeah. I mean, I you see that hair? Yeah. It's not Robin Shu's hair, but it's pretty bouncy. Oh, oh yeah, and, and plus, like, I mean, look at how like pimp esque he is. He's very <laughs> pimp esque. <laughs> pimp esque. <laughs> no, I think he's full pimp. I don't think he's pimp esque. I think he's exuding pimp. So <laughs> apparently, they they did want to do the old man Fu Manchu Shang Tsung. But uh, with the, the the pace of production and all that, and after Kerry Tagawa came in and did his uh, legendary uh, audition, um, where they just said, "Yep, yeah, you're you're it, you're it, dude." Um, they just made an allowance and said, "Yeah, he could be young for this movie because he's young in MK2, and we don't want to have to deal with fucking like aging makeup and all that." So whatever, and everything else is just him. The whole I mean, style. They, they tie it back. Out. At the end, where he dies, and then his bones, right? Uh, he rots like he, away because he is old. He is old, but it's the power of all the souls that makes him look young. Yada yeah. yada. Which, if I were, if I had that power, I'd want to look like not. Wait, thir- so, I'd want to look like fourteen or ten. How old know? was he when he f- filmed the movie? Probably in his twenties. Uh, no, he's not. Oh. He's not. No, he wasn't in his twenties. He's like seventy now, so there's no way. He, okay, so he's like in his thirties at least. Yeah, Carrie maybe. Took no, it hasn't been forty years. Since then. So he's 70 now, and that movie came out 26 years ago. Oh, wow. He looked... So he would, have been, he would have been in his 40s then, right? Wow. Wow, really? Well, he's I mean, he definitely though. had that kind of like, you can't really tell how old the actor is Yeah. thing going on. Like, he could have been in his 30s, he could have been in his 40s. Here I am saying 20s. But no, he wow. did have an aged look to him, that's right. Uh, but he was just in such good shape. Yeah, he was ripped. Yeah, and yeah, I don't the, even think he's like experienced in martial arts. Correct me. He said he, he said he. I saw a, a rec- like a recent ish interview. And he did say that he, had, he did say that he <laughs> had some. He's had some training. Okay. in his life, yeah. So he he had. I mean, that's why he, I've seen clips of him like doing the choreography with Robin Shu, like practicing for it. It's like, yeah, this dude's pretty legit. He knows the stuff a little. Yeah. Bit. Are but, any of these actors coming back in the new movie? No, I don't think so. Unless, Unless there's like a. Uh, saved a cameo appearance like it's all new actors like new new. Well, that's the thing. I, I've uh, what was it? There was an interview that Robin Shu did with Kerry Tagawa, and the guy asked him about it. And he said that he didn't. He this is before. I think this is before the movie was in production. I guess I don't know, but he said that he didn't really want to be in it if they asked him. Just, uh-huh. I think he could. Robin Shu said that, or Kerry Tagawa said that. I think Robin Shu said that. And it wasn't because he doesn't. I mean, he loves the franchise, and everything like that. But he just like, I think he He's wanted to. Now. He wants to keep it to his thing. Like he he loves his movie with his cast and his like that crew, 
and he wants right. to keep it in that. And if they do the new thing, he wants them to have their own thing. Like, I respect that. Yeah, yeah let them have their own uh, family, you know, familial connection and stuff like. Though, that. Though, if he does somehow show up in that movie, I will flip out. I I'll, I'll rip my shirt off in the theater and yell, "Murder!" <laughs> Um, and I'll rip Ellie, and I'll, and I'll rip my that. shirt off and say it's just like the game based on the game. <laughs> um, Elliot, you do know though that like most of the actors have have reprised the role in like the latest game, right? Wait, say, say that again. Like most of the actors have like shown up to be in the latest game. You knew that, right? Oh, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, I played um, the game. like first they did Kerry Tagawa. Um, for Mortal Kombat 11, which I don't remember if they had like Shang Tsung in there before. No, he was but... he was he was not in the original uh, version of 11. He was added to the uh, the DLC for, campaign for the DLC campaign. Yeah, yeah. so and... they bring him in and he's a DLC character and it's fucking Kerry Tagawa face scanned and lending his voice and it's a little uncanny valley because it doesn't quite yeah. look like him and he's got different writers so it's not like he's like saying exactly but you know it's Kerry Tagawa and they recently did a DLC with uh Lyndon Ashby, Bridget Wilson and Christopher Lambert as skins for their That's characters cool. which is but they fun. left out Robin Shu. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know if they're one. saving him or what. Or did he not <laughs> Did he not want to? I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't want to, because like you seen said, he really loves the fact that he's been Luke Kang. And he's like gone on to like do there's like a cute video where him and Lyndon Ashby come on to like play Mortal Kombat with a guy. Yeah. And like, like talk about yeah. their experiences. So it's like he doesn't have any disdain toward it, so I don't know okay. if they're saving it or what. It's got to be, right? Like that that's right. gotta be something that comes out. I hope it so. But I I will say it's hilarious because because uh, they are skins. For, like at least for like Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, and uh, Raiden, they were in Mortal Kombat 11, and then they added the actors as like skins for the game. What's funny is that for Sonya Blade, in Mortal Kombat 11, it's played by Ronda Rousey. <laughs> <laughs> so then oh, when you oh no. play the game, you can switch it and play as like Brin, uh, Bridget Wilson, which honestly I feel is an improvement because holy. <laughs> Uh, uh, playing through it, I don't mind Ronda Rousey. I know she you is have a terrible in this game, dude. In it. Oh, she's, she's not a good actor, she's a t- dude. And the <laughs> she, fact she is like, given she, dramatic lines throughout the whole story campaign. It's it, admittedly not that great, but I don't have a I don't have too much of a problem. I with hated it. it the whole time I watched. I was like, I hate this. And the fact that they actually have Sonya Blade modeled as Ronda Rousey in the game, I'm just like, this do is they? Not... Because like she no. looks way thinner than Ronda Rousey really is. I mean the. But her the face, face looks kind of like her, but the, like Sonya's real thin, and Ronda Rousey is very buff. Well, yeah, I don't think she. I don't think she did like the. She didn't do the motion capture for it. Ah. But they did scan her face, I think, for, for the face model. But like all that, all that shit for at least like the Netherworld team or Nether Realm. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, is it's just very uncanny valley because they it kind of looks like Bridget Wilson mm. and Lyndon Ashby, but it kind of doesn't. It freaks me out. Well, the thing is that they're all—I don't know—are they scanning like? Are they like? I don't even in, think they brought them in to scan their face. I think they're literally scanning like photos the of them and stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. And like they—they they bring them in to do recording, but I don't think they make them like scan their face because obviously this is like thirty years in the future. They don't look the same. You know. I think it's like the 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 Shang Tsung one looks the best for me because it looks yeah. the most like. I mean, it looks like character go, but also like the fact that. 
it's an older Shang Tsung, and it's an well, older there's two Kira versions Tagawa. of it. You could play as young Kerry Tagawa, but oh, like you can. Sto- yeah. Oh, I, no, man, dude. I yeah, like one of the skins is like young Kerry Tagawa, but he's still dressed up like in a weird like. Ah, uh, no, MK. no trench coat. Yeah, no trench. Like, I think one of the I think the trench coat is one of the costumes. Yeah, is but it? like for for yeah, I'm pretty sure because I've seen pictures of it. But like for the obviously for aftermath, they made him old and gave him the mustache and all that. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. Still carried a gala. Yeah, yeah no, that you could play him with clean shaven and I think dressed black hair and all that as you expect him to be. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just I feel like he's he's definitely one of those like when people think when I think about Mortal Kombat, I like he is one of the top people I think about. And the fact that he just loves the franchise so much, or he loves well, he, his he loves role. the franchise because they kept trying to bring him back over and over and over. Yeah, he was in like three. Pro- he's he was in the Mortal Kombat Legacy like YouTube show where he in season two, role. yeah, yeah, he reprised his role. And then he came, he was in that MKX uh, Mortal yeah. Kombat Ten, which like pilot that role. one and MK Legacy both like you know he doesn't have the hair anymore, so I for Legacy especially or for uh, MKX especially, I almost want to say low effort. Because they didn't do any, you know, it just yeah, carried no, to as he's looking right now, just come in and, and be Shang Tsung. But he yeah. loves being Shang Tsung so much that if you ask him, "Hey, you want to be?" Sh-? Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be. I'll come. I'll come be Shang Tsung, and nobody will complain. Oh, of course not, man. He like in my in my head, he is Shang Tsung. I don't care what game. I'm playing or whatever in my head. That's carried to go because, and I feel bad for like the guy that like voiced him in MK9, mm. or like the guy anybody else except for like uh, Bruce was it Locke that I said from MK uh, Conquest. The show, yeah, the night yeah. show. Turns out a lot like of people Bruce also like him. Oh, huh? dude! Oh, yeah. dude! You don't know? Ooh, yeah, dude. Well, there were two like... shows. There were two shows. There was a there was a Saturday morning cartoon, a la He Man or whatever. Uh, but there was also a live action show that aired late night and it was basically Xena and Hercules, but it was Mortal Kombat. Yep. What? Yeah. Yes. And it's actually, it's kind of cringe, but overall, it's pretty, it's pretty it's, good. It's pretty cringe, but it's, yeah. It, <laughs> me, me and Yassine, uh, cause I had good memories of it, made him watch that, uh, oh, several years ago. And then Jay joined in halfway through us watching oh, wow. that. How, how yeah. many seasons did it last? One. Um, <laughs> and it gets ends it, and it ends on a freaking cliffhanger. It ends oh, on God. a cliffhanger because they thought they were going to do a season two, but the cliffhanger, taken on just what it is, is the perfect way to end it because it's oh, so balls crazy, and uh, the fights were kind of clunky, and some of the acting is horrible. It, it, like I said, it's Xena and it's Hercules, yeah. uh, but it's so charming. Uh, we should watch it. We should watch it. Uh, you know who you know who shows up in that. Um, Eva Mendez. Oh. I wish Bruce Campbell showed up in it. But he <laughs> uh, Eva Mendez is in it. Um, have you ever seen uh, My Name Is Earl? Um, I have. I don't think I ever watched that. The, uh, shit. I, What's I, her I, face? Uh, something. Basically, his his ex wife in that movie, who's like Southern Belle blonde chick, is in this movie. Is in the show. She played Rita Repulsa in the new. No, movie. that's no, no. Oh, okay. That's Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Different, different blonde. Um, <laughs> anyway, but it's just a taupe out of place, like random celebrities are in this show. Uh, That's and, cool. uh, there's, uh, I've been listening to another podcast that basically described it as the horniest show 
for fourteen because it's it's targeted towards fourteen year old boys and there's lots of boobs, mm. lots of skimpy costumes. Oh yeah, because it's based because because it's set in like like hundreds of years in the past. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, it's yeah. that's why it. Xena and all that because it's set like in the ni- early 1900s. What's the name of the show? Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat Conquest. Conquest. Surprisingly, yeah. with a C and not a K, as yeah. you would expect. I'm disappointed. Well, I think they didn't want to have two Ks aligning of each other, which would be too close to having three Ks aligning of each other, and they just figured <laughs> what did this, Conquest. What station did this air on? TNT. Turner. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dang, you guys need to do an episode on this. No, we oh, are. We are we're going to. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds fascinating. Uh, and actually, if if you want to spare the time, I wouldn't mind like us watching it again with you. So I can be I'll fresh. always watch cheese yeah. stuff. There is there is a, there's a, a podcast called uh, Mortal Pod Quest, which <laughs> they 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 do episode by episode a review oh, wow. of it. Like and they, they just, just completed it though. They just so completed it, and they did they did a, an extra episode that came out that's based on. Um, what was that? That 3D Mortal CG? Kombat: The Journey Begins. Yeah, which I've never seen. I've only seen clips. And Dude, you know what? I, I just picked up the the steel book for the the two movies. Does it have it on it? It has it on there. Oh, dude, we need to watch it. It's oof. so Elliot. If you don't know, uh, when the movie came out, they made a little animated tie-in called "The Journey Begins," and it's really awful. Flash-looking 2D animation with really cheesy dialogue combined with inexplicable scenes that are 3D rendered as best wow. they could in 1995, it's, and it's the most cringe shit. And it's 40 minutes. Oh god! Wow, <laughs> it's so bad. Oh god! But Conquest is Conquest has gold in it. It's it's a cheesy show, but I have it, a soft spot for those like late 90s early yeah. 2000s like sci-fi channel kind of shows it was totally that it came yeah. on at like one in the morning and i remember going <laughs> to school the next day and talking to kids about it yeah i remember watching that show a lot too and i have it like, came on after like wrestling after yeah w- yeah really, and like yeah, like, yeah. It, yeah. like it was always like a fun late night show when you had nothing better to do as a teenager like or at least when i was a teenager and i had nothing better to do i would just sit down Drink some coke, eat some cheese at crackers, and watch this cheesy ass Mortal Kombat like you just coke and cheese its combo. <laughs> Hell yeah! You remember a lot of food that you had while you watched Mortal Kombat? I do. To... I don't remember what I ate when I watched the first Mortal Kombat. I don't think we ate anything when we watched. The first I don't Mortal think Kombat. I did either. I think we we were all just in one room, like like five or six of my friends, just freaking out over this movie. Yeah, I usually drinking when I'm watching movies. <laughs> um, not when I was 15. But... I mean, oh, I was. To- oh, oh, I was. I was totally drinking. When I was 15. I was. I, I was drinking Coke, so that helped. God. Okay. Cool. Is there is there anything else we want to say about the 95 movie before we wrap it up? I, th- I think uh, I think we I think I've I've definitely said enough about it. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else to say about the movie, but I did have an idea for a little outro. Oh, sure. Go for it. Go. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if you guys are down for this. So you could, we'll, we'll put like a little partition here, so you can cut it out if you want to, <laughs> or you, we can remix it. But basically, I came up with you guys as Mortal Kombat names. Oh, no. if somebody want, if somebody either wants to do the Mortal Kombat theme while I read them out in the voice, oh, okay, uh, or or you can like edit in the music. Like we the can edit in. Do. We can edit in our version of the okay. music that I we like have, that, I like that our ro- re- royalty free version. Okay, cool. So yeah, I, I basically I, I looked through all the Mortal Kombat characters and I found out which ones I could do puns with your names. Okay. Oh my god. God. Oh no. I can't wait. For, <laughs> I, I can't wait for this. 
Kano, Sonya Scene Blade, JBB Yabu Kang. JBB Yabu Kang? Oh my god. <laughs> do him again. I'll do, I'll do a second take just in case there's a better way. Wait, what about yes. yours? I, I don't have one. Oh, you, come on. You got to make up you, one. I, I, I don't have one because I don't think it's not my place to make one. I'll make up. I'll tell you what, Elliot. Oh, I'll I'll like like Elliot. Okay. Elliot, I already know what it is. It's Elliot Long <laughs> Long Lao. Long Lao. Elliot Long Lao. Elliot Long Lao. Okay. okay start, start, start the music over. I'm going to start with the Okay. Without, without the track this time? <laughs> no, I want the track. Oh, okay. Jano. Sonya Scene Blade. JBB Yabu Kang. Elliot Long Lao. <laughs> Why am I Sonya Blade? Because Sonya Seed. Yeah. Sonya Seed. Yeah. I, I like. However, I have I have absolutely no qualms about being Jano. I am fine with that. That was perfect. It was it was either Jano or it was Jaden. But I like Jano because yeah, it would be like, what, like Will Smith. Jaden. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jano. No, wow. No, but like Jano, like Jano's way better. I have no problem being Kano. Like Kano is awesome. Uh, so I have zero uh, problem I with that. Anything for Josh, so I just did GBP. <laughs> I, I like it. It rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I don't know how you put Josh into a Mortal Kombat name, really. <laughs> I tried. I think uh, J. I, th- yeah, I, I think JBB Yabu Kang is my favorite. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would like, on that note, I would like to say thank you so much, Elliot, for joining us for this episode. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there? Any, I mean, do you have like you know social media or anything that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I mean, if people like uh, cartoons, uh, I do cartoons for a living. So you can check out my Instagram, uh, which is Posthumous, uh, spelled. Uh, what is that? Oh, that's my phone. P O S T H U M O U S E, like posthumous with an e at the end. Basically, it's my Instagram. Got illustrations and stuff on there. Check them out. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Well, we uh, we have gone another two hours. Oh, just about for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I still feel like there's aspects of the movie we, we, we didn't get to talk about, but there's just so much to talk about. It's so but much. I had a good time. Yeah. I guess we need to do a second episode. A part two. Uh, yeah, we could. <laughs> if a part two on Mortal Kombat 2021 20, gets delayed again, you know, we could just like do a part two. Oh, please don't let it be delayed. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I won't jinx that. Yeah. So then see you guys on the next episode. See ya. Bye. See ya. What a Outstanding. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat Time Pod and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Combat Time Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Kombat continues. Get over here!